Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Breland Moore of KCTV5 in Kansas City. She is a sports anchor and reporter for the CBS affiliate. We're going to be talking all things Kansas City Chiefs when Breland stops by and joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges. And, uh, Tom, hope you've had a uh, good week. A uh, Probably a better one than, uh, than Bill O'Brien, I would imagine. Uh, did we not call it last week? <laughs> did we not say... Uh, no, we we called it on Monday. Well, we for Monday we said it. We said it. I I specifically said I don't think he makes it through the rest of the season. I said when are they going to fire him? Literally the moment after we recorded that, about three hours later, uh, they came out and said <laughs> Bill O'Brien gone, and I'm like, give me a crystal ball. So my uh, my preseason. Uh, Coaching firing predictions of guys that wouldn't last for the season. I had Adam Gase, Dan Quinn, Bill O'Brien, and uh, Matt Patricia. We're already one down. We got three to go. Um, I know that the Jets said they're keeping Adam Gase for now. If they play like they did last Thursday, I still don't see any way that uh, that he makes it through the season. I should have made a parlay bet on those four because I still feel confident, Tom, that those, fo- those four are going to be saying sayonara before the year's up. Uh, yeah, I think so. Adam Gay should have been done. Quinn should have been done. Quinn's going to be done. The only one that I would kind of hold out maybe would be Patricia, and that would be maybe towards the end of the season. I mean, we know for sure all four of them are going to be gone, but before the season, that remains to be – season ends, that remains to be seen. Right, right, right. I, I mean, I think we're getting – I think we're getting the next two here pretty quick. Yeah, only a matter of uh, when, not if, at uh, this point. Tom, we got a lot to cover on today's show, and uh, I want to get right after it in uh, the National Football League with the Kansas City Chiefs. On Monday, when we left you, the Chiefs were getting ready for a Monday night matchup, and it went about exactly as we expected it to, Tom. What did we say on Monday's show? We said that both these teams were probably going to be shaken up a little bit with the COVID tests that came through and having to miss an extra day and being out of routine, that these guys are creatures of habits. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Neither team started out that well in Monday night's game between the Chiefs and the New England Patriots. Brian Hoyer got the start for uh, New England, and he was just awful, um, which I expected that to be the case. Uh, nothing impressed me about Brian Hoyer whatsoever. And, uh, you know, one thing that we'll talk about in the show that I think could be a debate of some sorts, Tom, is that. You know, some folks are thinking that if Cam Newton played, that New England wins that game. And here's where I differ on that. The Chiefs didn't show a whole lot either. I think once the Chiefs knew that they were facing Brian Hoyer as opposed to Cam Newton, they didn't really unleash. Andy Reid's even admitted that they treated the first two games of the season much like their preseason, where they didn't really show too much here. And when they had to show something, knowing they were going against Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, 
what do you know, they unleashed and had a great offensive attack and they used plays that we had never seen before. That's where I would say that I would hold the phone on the idea that if Cam Newton plays, New England wins that football game because I think then the Chiefs would have really uh, gone all out of sorts. Uh, it reminds me, here, here's a good comparison, Tom. Um, you know, Kansas basketball every single year is a preseason top 10 team, a per- perennial power in college basketball. And one of the things that Bill Self does in the non-conference is that he doesn't bail out his players from tough situations. He forces them to figure it out instead of putting a good free-throw shooter out there as opposed to a big that can't shoot like we've seen with Udoka in the past. He tells his guys, go deal with it, make it work one way or the other, or doesn't maybe call the plays uh, that could get them out of tough situations, tells his guys to go figure it out. I think that's what we're seeing from the Chiefs at this point. They're averaging close to 30 points a game. Probably could be averaging more at this point. But I think they're holding something back here. They're 4-0. They're doing enough to win football games. But that's where I hesitate to say that, well, they should have lost if Cam plays on Monday because we have not seen the Chiefs at their full strength yet. I still think they're holding something back right now. Yeah, maybe so. I could see playing down to the competition a little bit. I would have said, I would be one to say, I think if Cam Newton plays that, you know, if the Chiefs play the same style of football that they played on Monday night, that I would have said Cam Newton and the Patriots would have won that game. Uh, Not the most impressive game, but we were right when we said we didn't think they would start out hot, either team. Uh, I I think it was the first game in forever, and maybe under with – with Andy Reid and Mahomes that they didn't score a touchdown in the first quarter, or maybe it was the first half. I forget. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, something else to behold. I think the chiefs are kind of one of those teams that play down to their competition. And I think along with the COVID uh, test, I, I think maybe that had some factors in, uh, we'll see how they bounce back this Sunday against the Raiders. And we'll, we'll pick that game later on in the show, but um it should be interesting. I mean, I think Casey and I think Frank Clark, I think actually said it that we should have put their our, our foot on their on their throat a little bit harder and finished the game. He he'd mentioned finishing um, that they need to do a little bit better and work on, and and maybe he's right. What's funny about that statement too about finishing is the last score of the game for the Chiefs was a pick six from Tyron Matthew. Um, I would actually say they finished fine. They didn't start great uh, as far as that goes. But with this Chiefs team, the defense is ranked second in the league in scoring defense. They're allowing about 17 points per game right now, um, which I think you'll gladly take at this point with uh, this team, uh, considering where you were at just you know a couple years ago. And then also what you've dealt with in the secondary with those injuries there uh, and the guys that have been out. You get Bashad Breeland back this week. That's going to be huge for this team. Um, look, I think the best is still yet to come with the Kansas City Chiefs at this point going forward. You take out this Raiders team, I'm not going to give away my pick just yet, but history says the Chiefs have owned the Raiders for quite some time. Um, that Ger- Derek Carr has struggled a lot against Kansas City over the years, in particular at Arrowhead. Um, 
you know, this is a, a game for the Chiefs, I think, to, you know, kind of iron themselves out of sorts, say, you know, hey, this is where you get back on track. This is where you start to play the Chiefs football that you know and love. Um, and, and where one thing, I think, as far as the Chiefs unleashing a little bit more heading into this week, Tom, of why we might see more of that from the Chiefs, too, is the Raiders have beaten the uh, uh they, they got that win against New Orleans a couple weeks ago. They went toe-to-toe with Buffalo last week. You could make the case the Chiefs do need to put their best foot forward and open things up a bit because the Raiders have proven that they can hang with some of the best teams in the National Football League. And so I think that's why that the Chiefs open things up more and this could be a decisive win of some sorts here is because the Chiefs know that – um, what they did last week is not going to be good enough here. The Raiders are a much improved team from what they were a season ago, and a lot of it starts with the Tulsa native, the running back Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Josh Jacobs should, I still should, I think, have a big day. Um, and like I said, we'll pick this and talk about this game a little bit more later on in the show. But, uh, you know, the Patriots, um, you know, they were kind of forced to run White and Burkhead a little bit more than maybe they would have uh, because of the quarterback situation. And I thought White had a, a pretty good day uh, in, in terms of everything considered there. Um, I, I think Josh Jacobs has the potential to have a really big day. Uh, Derek Carr has struggled, so maybe they watched the tape there and, and tried to you know, put the ball in the hands of Josh Jacobs just as much as possible. Um but you know, the Chiefs, I think, have to start off on a good note. I mean, they're pretty notorious for uh, not starting off on a hot note and then coming back and, and almost like they tease their opponent. And yes. I, I don't, I mean, I don't want to give too much credit, but they, they tease almost. And it, it, I'm sure it makes some Kansas City fans nuts. Yeah. They tease and they still find a way to cover most of the time, too. So it's the ultimate tease, really from the Chiefs uh, on uh, that note there. And, and one thing we're going to be watching for is the availability of Patrick Mahomes. Um, the Chiefs quarterback had a little exchange afterwards with Gilmore, the Patriots cornerback, gave him a hug. Obviously, they weren't wearing a mask. And uh, what do you know, Gilmore, just a day or two later, test positive for COVID-19. That's got Chiefs fans on high alert at this point. Um, it even got the uh, the folks in uh, there with uh, the rest of the Chiefs organization on high alert of some sorts there. Um, they practiced on Wednesday, the entire team wearing a mask for all of practice. Um, if you think it's tough breathing in a mask, try running at full speed and playing tackle football in a mask. They did that on Wednesday. Um, you know, so far... Tests have been negative and everything at the time we're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, but in the events that Patrick Mahomes can't give it a go, from what we've seen, Tom, out of uh, you know Chad Henney or whether it even be Matt Moore, whoever it is, I think the Chiefs can still win with either of those guys if that circumstance were to arise. Um, but it's looking ahead to Buffalo that they can't afford to not have Patrick Mahomes uh, that Thursday night game there, that's where I would be more concerned there. Hopefully we're not overreacting, that it was just 
hopefully we are overreacting. I mean, that it was just a small exchange and there's no COVID passed around. But it certainly does scare you a little bit there, uh, seeing that Gilmore is going to be out a couple of weeks and Patrick had that little exchange of some sorts going on there. Jones, here's the thing about Mahomes. If he has COVID or if it comes back and, and he was definitely exposed to Gilmore face-to-face, if not during the game, just in being close to him towards the end. If he comes back and has COVID, the league's getting shut down 100%. If the, if the poster boy of the league has COVID, it's, it's done. It doesn't mean the season gets canceled, but it does, uh, does get paused. Well, and, and one thing that's been talked about is shortening the schedule to 12 games and moving everybody into hotels. They uh, had discussions about that last week of not even playing last week's games. But, you know, we're in a situation now where the Titans have some COVID issues, the Patriots do, the Chiefs already had one with Tayamu. Um, You know, this COVID stuff is ramping up. It looks like the NFL had COVID figured out uh, there at the beginning of the season with weeks on end without positive tests coming through. But then we find out Wednesday afternoon, Tom, that the Tennessee Titans, despite the COVID stuff they had going on in their team and the league telling them not to have practice, they still went ahead and worked out against league policy and went through with practice uh, you know, last week uh, at an off-site facility. And now there's rumors that the NFL is about to hand down a serious punishment to the Tennessee Titans that it's going to make what the Patriots went through look like parking tickets uh, of what's ahead. I'll believe that when I see it. But the NFL has made it pretty clear. These are our protocols. If you abide by them, you are not going to get COVID. You are going to be fine. The rules are very simple. You go by them as followed, and you won't get COVID, and you'll have football. Um I don't think it's asking too much. One of the things we said, Tom, before the season began, that we thought if there was going to be COVID outbreaks, it would probably be among poorly run organizations. I'm surprised that we're talking about Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, Andy Reid. I mean, this is there, there's no one uh, that's immune to this of sorts here. Um, this has happened to well-run organizations that are getting hit by this, that are uh, being affected by this COVID stuff right now. Yeah, and I think even the thing that is more, I guess, surprising would be that the league is dealing with all these and has a potential to be shut down and there's games not being played. Um if you would have told me the NFL would have had just as much problems that college players have had so far or that we've seen skip games, if you would have said it's about equal, I would say right now, between college and NFL, I would have laughed. I would have, you know, I would have probably said college would have easily been, would easily be me. I'm sorry, I cannot talk today. Easily succumb to this. Uh, over the NFL. It looked like the NFL had it unlocked there for a while, and now we're not seeing it's the case. So you're right. No one's immune to this, not college, not the NFL. Wouldn't it be something if it came out and one of these players who had COVID went to Magic City Wings? I wouldn't be surprised uh, <laughs> if that happened. Um, that would be something if uh, if that's the case. But like I was saying a while back in the offseason, 
uh, before the ideas of hotels and all this came about, Tom, if I'm a playoff team, we're sending everybody to a hotel week 15, and we're on complete lockdown. Um, from that point going forward, nobody is going anywhere except the team facility and the team hotel, and that's it until the playoff run is over at that point. Um, you you got to have your guys available when uh, it matters most uh, late in the postseason. That's what I would do if I were in charge. I know you have to work with the Players Association and all that, but that's the reality kind of where things stand right now. With that being said, let's look at the games ahead in the National Football League this weekend. And uh, we don't know if the Bills-Titans uh, game is going to happen yet or not. Uh, that game is set for noon on Sunday. That was going to be a pick'em game for us, but with not knowing the uh, how that game is going to happen or not, we decided not to go ahead and pick it. But it's a terrific matchup: Bills at four and zero, Titans at three and zero. But the week re- gets started on Thursday night with what is now essentially the game of the week with uh, that Titans Bills game uncertain. The Bucks taking on the Bears. It's the first game of the Fox. Thursday night football package. Uh, We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show, Tom. Uh, But I think for the Bears, this game's more important for them as opposed to the Bucs. The Bucs are a good football team. They're going to be just fine uh, contending for the NFC this year. The Bears, they really need to win this game to show that they're here to stick around and compete for a playoff spot. I don't think the Bears, and this may sound drastic to say, Tom, I don't think the Bears can recover and make the playoffs if they fall to three and two at, at this point. Um, that may sound drastic to say, but uh, I think the Bears need as good of a start as possible here. They can't fall to three and two. Got to win this one. Yeah, I think they do, and I think we're going to figure out who the Bears really are. It's kind of like a Scooby Doo episode, uh, and maybe Tom Brady pulling off the mask of the villain this weekend, or I guess on Thursday uh, tonight. I would say um, could be that's going to have you know that that's how it will end up playing out but um hard to say with the bears i mean like i said this is gonna be find out who they are you know i know nick Foles is running the show now uh mitch trubisky and i I feel bad for him then i don't uh i mean the bears they're in the same division as the vikings and the packers uh vikings haven't looked good obviously but they're still there and they still have to play them and and it's like the packers are playing right now um there's no way that the Bears win the division anyway. They would have to essentially wild card in. And I know there's an extra one this year, but there's a lot of other teams with hard divisions that will be vying for those wild cards as well. The Steelers take it on the Eagles. The Steelers are a seven-point favorite. We'll pick this game coming up later on in the show. The Steelers had an unexpected bye week. The Eagles have been just a hot mess so far in 2020. Tom, uh... The Steelers, I, I like what they've put together. I know their offense has not been spectacular, but as long as that defense is the best in the league like it's been, that Steeler offense doesn't have to be. Big Ben and company is playing plenty good enough right now. Yeah, the defense is, is going to end up coming through, and uh, you know where the offense may lack, the defense is going to pick up the slack. The Panthers take it on the Falcons. Falcons are a two-point favorite. 
Falcons are 0-4. Panthers are 2-2 on the season. Two completely different stories here. The Falcons at 0-4 have just been horrendous. The Panthers have way surpassed expectations with their 2-2 start. And, Tom, that's all about coaching. I don't think Dan Quinn's a good coach. I think Matt Rule is an excellent coach. People talked about the Panthers potentially tanking this year. Uh, they have been far from that. Uh, I'm very impressed with what they've done, considering the lack of talent Carolina has. Um, you know, I know we're not picking this game, but I like Carolina to take care of business. Atlanta to fall 0 and 5, simply coming down to coaching. I like Matt Rule a hell of a lot more than I do Dan Quinn, Tom. Yeah, and, and is this the game? Uh, where it happens for Dan Quinn to be outed. I mean, I think it could. Uh, I mean, the Panthers, pretty quality win over the Cardinals, who looked pretty, you know, looked good to start the season. Uh, no Christian McCaffrey either. So, I mean, Matt Rowe's got to be applauded so far. The Bills and the Titans, if this game happens, the Titans would be the home team. They've had some COVID-19 concerns. The Bills are 4-0. and Titans are 3-0. and Titans coming off that bye, but... You know they haven't had much practice time uh, the last uh, few weeks here, and, and you know they've had some shutdowns and some positive tests and all that. If this game gets played, Tom, I fully expect the Bills to just roll over this uh, this Titans team. Uh, I mean, they're I think uh, you know they're they're probably pretty close talent wise, but with these circumstances and the way the Bills have played, um, this one sets up nicely for the Bills. I think. Yeah, too many distractions for the Titans. This is not going to be their week if this game gets played. The Cardinals taking on the Jets. Cardinals are 2-2. Two and two. They started out hot, but uh, have not looked great ever since. The Jets are still 0-4. Adam Gase still has a job. Uh, Tom, this one, uh, the Cardinals really need to uh, bounce back here. I expect the Cardinals to win, uh, more so not because of the way they've played recently, but uh, more due to the fact of just how bad the Jets are, even though the game's in New Jersey. Yeah, this works out for the Cardinals, you know, to to be able to bounce back. I mean, they have a game where there's no should be no excuses uh, for them not to bounce back this week. The Rams take it on Washington. This game going to be played in D.C., and Washington's going to go with Kyle Allen. We just talked about on last week's show, Tom, that Dwayne Haskins was playing pretty good considering that you know, he hasn't even played 16 full games yet. He's starting to come into his own. But remember, Ron Rivera does not owe any loyalties to Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, they're trying to contend for the playoffs. And rightfully so. They're in a division where it just sucks. You might win six, seven games and be good enough to win that division. Um, Kyle Allen showed some promise last year filling in for Cam Newton as the backup quarterback. I don't like this move. I would have hung with Haskins. Heck, Alex Smith would have been my number two quarterback if I were to make a change. I get where Ron Rivera is coming from, Tom, but I uh, I don't like the move here. I, I thought Dwayne Haskins was showing significant improvement from what he was last year. Yeah, and I like Ron Rivera too, but this seems like a coach's son type move uh, in the fact that Kyle Allen was under Rivera in, in Carolina. Um I mean, either way, I don't, I don't care, and this is my bias showing. I don't care if you, who you put out there. Rams are going to win this week. Uh, I, I have yet to see if Chase Young is a go. I don't know for sure. If he's not, uh, Rams should have a heyday. I'm not a believer in, in that Washington team's line. Uh, and then Kyle Allen not 
having a start yet or not seeing any playing time yet, uh, you don't do this move against the Rams, I can tell you that. Real quick, uh, the Rams have been off to a good start this year. Uh, you know, three and one, as we mentioned, lost a close game to Buffalo. Their one loss on the season. Tom, what did the Rams do about their running game? The running game has not been great for them uh, so far to start off this season. That's been kind of their biggest weakness right now. You know, they had Cam Akers get, get injured, and that was their draft pick, uh, their first rounder, or I guess second rounder, I guess you'd say, the first off the board for the Rams. Uh, could have been Clyde Laird, you know, had the Chiefs not taken him. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at it, Daryl Henderson, he's from Memphis. Uh, you know, got drafted. I think this is his third year. I believe his third year, maybe his second. I think it's his third, his third year. Uh, I mean, the running game, I mean, against the Giants wasn't so hot. Uh, they're kind of going by committee here and kind of just going with the hot hand. I mean, they have 58 yards total rushing against the Giants and in that game, they should have been a lot better than they were. Henderson has shown some promise. I will say that I think against the Eagles was his kind of his breakout day. Um, I mean, he had 81 yards and 12 carries. Uh, and then, you know, Malcolm Brown backing him up. They kind of had everyone running. And that was the game that Cam Akers kind of got hurt. But uh, they're going by committee. I'm still a believer in Henderson. He's shown some promise. He's still a young back. Uh, Malcolm Brown has been there for a while. He's kind of the bruiser. I think they'll figure it out eventually. Um, I mean, I mean, you still got the. I mean, you still got teams that you should easily be able to run on. Um, one of those teams potentially being Washington, if if uh, Young is not playing this week, I haven't seen if he is or not. Um, 49ers after that, you got them banged up. Bears maybe not a team, but there are still some teams that they can get that running game going. Um, well, it's yet to see. I mean, if it doesn't, sure, Sean sure. is a guy who, if it doesn't work, he's going to figure it out eventually. Right, exactly. Uh, the Ravens taking on the Bengals. One of the things I mentioned about the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, Tom, was other than their couple matchups there with the Steelers in their own division, their schedule the rest of the way out is not bad at all for this team. This is one of those games where they should handle business just fine. I like what Joe Burrow's done. He's a contender for Rookie of the Year, but <laughs> You know, you got A.J. Green and Joe Mixon, and that's about it. Joe Mixon's leading the league in rushing right now, um, but there's no one else on that offense. That defense is atrocious. The Ravens should have their way with a Cincinnati at home. Yeah, I don't see any problems. I like what Burrow's doing, but not not this game. Texans, uh, they've moved on from Bill O'Brien. It is the start of the Romeo Cronell era in Houston. Uh, that sounds about as bad as Bill O'Brien. But anyways, uh, they take out Jacksonville. Jacksonville 1-3 of the season. They've lost three straight since their opening win against the Colts here. Tom, going to be very interesting to see with uh, Houston how their players respond to Bill O'Brien being let go here. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll go with Houston in this one. I would guess that uh, that locker room was probably pretty tired of Bill O'Brien. I bet there's a, 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 a nice uh, kick to their step, in a sense, uh, just with a starting a new era without Bill, Bill O'Brien in the building. Yeah, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, too. I, I feel terrible for Deshaun Watson. Oh, yes. Uh, what an awful situation to be in for a quarterback of his caliber uh, there in Houston. Uh, but 
you know, I know they don't have much draft capital, but you have to think that's going to be a job that's going to be uh, heavily desired to, to coach Deshaun Watson of whoever they uh, move to uh, this offseason replace Bill O'Brien with. Uh, let's move to the afternoon window. 49ers take on the Dolphins. 49ers have so many injuries. Uh, the Dolphins, 1-3. Uh, Fitzmagic is going to start this week. Uh, not quite time for Tua. Not quite Tua time yet in uh, in this game. Based on how bad San Francisco was at home last week, Tom, the Dolphins might actually have a shot in this one. Yeah, and, you know, as banged up as the 49ers are, the Dolphins, I wouldn't you, – you mentioned it uh, – you've mentioned it before, uh, a bad – a bad, a, a good, bad team. And I, I think that's what the Dolphins could somewhat eventually equate to. Um, Eagles found a way. Maybe Dolphins do. Uh, it should be interesting. The Colts take another Browns. We're going to pick this game later on. Tom, I, I got the feeling both these teams at three and one. I don't know who, maybe both of them. One of these teams has got to be a fraud at three and one, right? You would think so, and and this game might not even show who the fraud really is. Um, they could both have fraud type games and continue. I, I they're all sus. <laughs> yes, the uh, Cowboys at home coming off that loss to the Browns last week. They're one and three on the season, and Mike McCarthy is uh, not looking so hot. It looks pretty clear he lost the divorce to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Giants at zero and four on the season. They have just been. A mess at this point. Tom, the Giants are eventually going to get a win at some point this year. I don't think it's against Dallas, though. I think this is uh, a win for Dallas, but I do not like either one of these teams. And with as much of a mess as Dallas has been, I'll pick Dallas, but I I don't even feel confident saying that, actually, uh, right now, uh, with all things being said. If Dallas loses this game, I mean – they can't fire Mark, Mike McCarthy already, but some change has to be made. I mean, I mean they can't. I mean, realistically, Cowboys should be 0-4. Yeah, that defense is so bad. Kellen Moore and his offense has been doing their part, but they have no help on that defense as far as that goes. Broncos taking on the Patriots. This is another game that we'll kind of see if it happens or not, depending on the uh, Patriots in their uh, COVID-19 situation. The game is supposed to be played in Foxborough. Um the Broncos have so many injuries. I know that the Patriots are shorthanded a little bit themselves. No Cam Newton, no Gilmore. Um, but I think this is one of those two, Tom. comes down to coaching. I'll take Belichick over uh, uh, Fangio any day. Uh, I like the Patriots at home, even with these circumstances. Yeah, so do I. But this could be this could be uh, kind of like the Broncos-Jets game last Thursday, uh, depending on – uh, who who ends up playing for the Patriots? Uh, I mean, Gilmore's a leader on that defense, so we'll see. And it sounds like the boat, the best of all time, Blake Bortles, is going to get the start for the Broncos. The National Football League is better when Blake Bortles is a part of it. I'm excited uh, to see Blake Bortles back in the league, even if it is for the Broncos. Sunday night football, Seahawks taking on the Vikings. Vikings have been one of the most disappointing teams in the league with a 1-3 and record. Seattle's looked red hot, looked like one of the best teams in the league at 4-0. and Russell Wilson, the MVP favorite at this point. DK Metcalf has been incredible. If Minnesota's going to have a shot in this game, Tom, they got to run it with Dalvin Cook. He's actually had a good season despite not much help around him. Yeah, I mean... The Vikings, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned it about the Bears. Uh, you know, they 
Vikings, this is the one they really can't afford to lose either, or they're going to be at the bottom of the division with the with the Lions. Uh, I, I, there's, I, this is almost a lock for me. Uh, there's no way the Vikings beat the Seahawks. And on Monday Night Football, the Saints taking on the Chargers. The Saints are a seven and a half point favorite, and uh, there's a chance this game gets moved to Indianapolis. Uh, we'll pick this game coming up later in the show, but Tom. Uh, this game, I think, is a better game probably than what most people think. The Chargers have been pretty competitive despite the three losses they've suffered this year. I mean, I mean, and their losses too. I mean, you you take Brady to the brink, you take the Chiefs to the brink, and losing overtime. I mean, uh, I mean, the Chargers aren't. I mean, they're your little phrase again. They are a a good bad team, but they are so close, and I like what Herbert's done so far. All right, there you have it. That is our whip around the National Football League. We will move on to uh, talk some Big 12 football. Time for this week's Big 12 breakdown and uh, looking at the games in the Big 12 conference this week. Only three games uh, this week as uh, you have a bye week for Kansas, for Oklahoma, for Baylor, for West Virginia, and uh, the other six will uh, get things going uh, all playing earlier games no primetime games for the big 12 this week but all three games are uh on uh broadcast television on fox and abc let's start with the red river shootout tom texas taking on oklahoma the horns ranked 22nd in the country oklahoma a two and a half point favorite um this is a game we'll pick later on but going into this one i can't remember the last time tom that ou and texas both felt disappointed and unsatisfied with where their seasons are. Uh, it's been a long time that both these teams are, are just awful for their standards going into this game here. I think Spencer Rattler's got potential. Um, you know, I know that he's thrown, what, four interceptions in the last two games, but you know he hasn't had much help. That receiving core has let him down a bit. He's kind of had to force things because uh, you know he's not getting much help there. And the run game... McGowan and, and those guys that OU backfield have not been impressive at all either. Meanwhile, for Texas, uh, Sam Ellinger, he's off to a good start to this season, but kind of like OU, not getting much help uh, elsewhere uh, on that uh, Texas team. The defenses for these two teams are just pitiful. Alex Crench, at this time last year, the defensive coordinator at OU, was viewed as, uh, oh, my gosh, oh, you found a gem and Alex Grinch. Look what he's doing with that defense. They've turned it around. And uh, now they don't look much different than they did in the Mike Stoops days. Texas, remember they were calling themselves going into the LSU game last year, DBU? Well, their DBs have been getting eaten alive at this point uh, so far this year. Tom, I think the winner of this game could turn their season around and head to the Big 12 title game. Uh, very well could happen at this point. But the loser of this game is in big trouble. You, you have either three losses if you're in OU's cases, case, two losses if you're in Texas' case. Um, I don't see how the loser of this game recovers. I think that we're going to really learn a lot about the direction of both these teams uh, based on how this game plays out on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. And both of these teams are very similar. Bad defense. Uh, I mean, for the offensive line for both teams has not been very hot. Uh, I mean, the the really the difference here, you know, I would say on Texas' side, better quarterback, uh, obviously senior Sam Ellinger, and then you have a 
redshirt freshman and Spencer Rattler. That's kind of an obvious, not a knock on Rattler either. It's just what it is. Uh, and then on the OU side, I will say, and I, I've, we've watched their games and we watched that Iowa State game this past weekend, but uh, the Texas game, Texas is not disciplined at all. They had about like seven or eight penalties in the first quarter of that TCU game and some other penalties happened later on that really killed them. And so I think it's really going to come down to is Texas, is Texas going to be disciplined this weekend? And is, you know, for OU, is, is, is the defense going to be able to stop Sam Ellinger? Uh, because for, you know, for Texas, they've put up points. That's not been the problem. Uh, it's just the defense has been absolutely atrocious. Uh, so can Texas State discipline? Can OU defense get the stops on Sam Ellinger? I mean, there's a lot of questions, and this game is uh, the most lackluster double RS I've seen in a long time. Yeah, 11 a.m. on Fox. And, uh, Tom, I'll say one more thing, too. How weird is it going to be for OU and Texas to be playing in the Cotton Bowl but not only limited fan capacity, I don't know how many fans are going to be there, but I know it's not going to be many, um, and no state fair going on. I think that's why, you know, in, in large part, this is the best rivalry in college football is that atmosphere, the Texas State Fair with all those fried foods and what's going on there. You know, you got big techs outside the stadium and everything's bigger in Texas and uh, the OU and Texas fans split at the 50-yard line and all that stuff. I mean, it's usually just an incredible atmosphere. We've talked about it. Even at the NFL level, these guys have not reacted well to these environments of no fans or limited fans, whatever it may be. I can't imagine for both these teams, especially if you have veteran players, what Saturday is going to be like uh, considering uh, these circumstances. This is going to be totally different than what we've known. I mean, that's why they play OU Texas at the Cotton Bowl is because the State Fair is going on. Right, and with no State Fair, as weird as that is, it's about as weird as OU not being ranked for this game. And, you know, Texas is, but shouldn't be, uh, to be honest. And, and if the other teams are ranked, if we were playing a full Power 5 league uh, schedule here, Texas would not be. Um, so, I mean, this is the first time, this is a lot of first here, uh, for this Red River, uh, shootout. Yeah, for sure. Iowa State, they're back in the top 25, ranked 24th in the land, taking on Texas Tech. Really good showing from the Cyclones last week against Oklahoma. Still have no idea how they lost to Louisiana week one, but nonetheless, they get a road win against TCU. They get a win against, uh, Oklahoma last week, Texas, they lose to K-State on the road in uh, Manhattan. They lost a close game to Texas at home the week before that, a game they led by double digits in the fourth quarter. Tom, are you buying Iowa State? I know we're in the month of Brocktober. Brock Purdy played really good down the stretch last week against Oklahoma. Is Tex is uh, Iowa State legit? Are they back on track, or do you still need to see more from the Cyclones? Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously OU's having a down year. And, and, but still to be able to beat an OU team you haven't beat at home since 1960. Uh, I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of these kids' grandparents that have it. That's their first time seeing Iowa State beat OU in Ames. Uh, I mean, this is a double, triple generation type thing that just happened. And so you think Matt Campbell and crew should probably be riding pretty high. Uh, 
I don't see them losing the tech. I do think tech has uh, somewhat the ability to, to maybe give them a little scare. Um, but not by much. I mean, I will stay. It is Brocktober. I hate this. And you know how much I hate that. You, you know how much I hate it. Uh, but I, I mean, Iowa State, 12 and a half point favorite. Texas Tech, I think, is going to still be able to score a little bit. Um, but I, you got to think Iowa State comes ahead and, and, and beats Tech. Yeah, I like Iowa State in this game. And we don't know about Allen Bowman, if he's going to be able to give it a go for Texas Tech. I like Allen. I know you do too, Tom. Uh, when he's healthy, he's a fantastic quarterback for Texas Tech. Uh, but when they've been without him, when they've had to play, what, guys like Jeff Jet Duffy the last couple of years and some of those others, the offense just hasn't been the same here. They have to have Alan Bowman if they're going to have a chance. Um, with that, I think Iowa State's going to be just fine at home. Uh, TCU take it on K-State. K-State's 2-1, and one, TCU's 1-1. One and one. Chris Kleiman just got a new contract extension. Six more years in Manhattan for K-State. Um, I know that the Wildcats lost week one to Arkansas State, but then they beat OU, then they beat Texas Tech last week. Uh, TCU, you know, they got their first win of the season last week as uh, they were able to uh, take care of business against Texas, a nice upset win, 33-31. to uh, A battle between the two purple teams, Tom, I think this is going to be a, a very good football game, an underrated matchup between K-State and and TCU, I would lean towards K-State, even though they haven't quite figured out their quarterback situation, whether they're going to go with Skylar Thompson or Will Howard. Um, but this is a game I could see going either way. TCU, I know, is the favorite, eight, eight and a half. But uh, I think we're talking about a very good matchup on hand. I mean, look at the line. I'm looking at the line right now. TCU by eight and a half. That is... Um... I mean, I want to say K-State here. I don't know what Skylar Thompson, the status of him, but uh, we talked about it on Monday, We, you know, that it doesn't really matter for K-State. They end up finding somebody. Um, and and what is it? Deuce Vaughn looks phenomenal. Uh, I know he's – I think Deuce Vaughn's a true freshman. Um, and for him to be able to play that way has been incredible. Uh, for TCU, on the other hand, Max Duggan, damn. I mean, damn. That's all I can say. I'm like, all right. Like, uh, I know. You Put know, it on I a t shirt. Yeah. Damn, Duggan. Max yeah, like, Duggan, damn. Duggan, damn. Or uh, damn, damn Duggan. Duggan. Yeah. There we go. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, for as an OSU fan, uh, Duggan's been getting better each week. Um, you know, I granted two games, stills looked look great in the Texas game, I thought. Um, OSU's got them last game of the season. I'm like, oh, damn, Duggan. I hope you're not as good as you were. You know, I hope you don't keep getting better each week. I can see this game going either way. Yeah. Uh, I do think K-State pulls it off, though. I can't believe the line's at 8.5 TCU. Way too high. Um, I thought this would be closer to a three-point advantage. 8.5, uh, too much. But I like K-State, too. So, we think Vegas is way off there. Each of us have K-State winning outright, even as an 8.5-point underdog. So, we'll see what happens. Coming up next, Breland Moore joins us. We're going to talk all things Kansas City Chiefs. On the other side. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, making her debut from KCTV 5, it is sports anchor and reporter Breland Moore, who joins us on this week's show. Breland, appreciate the time. What's going on? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, my pleasure, number one. <laughs> number two, it has been a crazy, chaotic day. Um, 
I woke up this morning, and of course, we all saw the news that Stefan Gilmore uh, has tested positive for COVID, and we all know that he was all up on Patrick Mahomes after the game. So needless to say, it has been a crazy, crazy couple of hours. Um, but when is it not, honestly, during football season? It's, you know, it's my day off, but there's never truly a day off. You're always doing something. So, uh yeah, that's kind of been the, the mood this morning. <laughs> yeah, and as we're taping this on Wednesday, you may already know the results of Patrick Mahomes' COVID test by Thursday, if he's tested negative or positive, whatever that may be. But right. we're all very anxious. Everybody's kind of on their toes right now, as it seems, as we kind of just wait to see where this goes from here at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Patrick, this morning, when he came onto the Zoom, he's like, listen, it's just – I had a small mental lapse. I, I try my best to be really, really careful about this kind of stuff, wear my mask everywhere, things like that. He's like, but, you know, you're in the moment, you see a really great player, and you just kind of can have, like, a mental lapse sometimes. And he's like, I just wanted to show respect to a really great player, and I honestly just didn't even think about it. And, you know, obviously that wasn't the best move, but right. you can't take it back now. So um, he said he's been really, really cautious. He has actually started sleeping in a separate bedroom from his fiance, who was pregnant, of course. So she's high risk for COVID. Right. Um, so he's like trying, trying his best to kind of keep his distance from her as well, because he doesn't want her to be sick while he's, you know, on the field with guys who may or may not be infected. Um, so it's kind of a it's a hot mess right now going on in the NFL, but it's also a hot mess in America as a whole. So, right. uh, you know, to see it translate in sports is not really all that surprising. Right. Uh, that's a great point. And, you know, human nature, you think, coming off the field, want to show respect. You know, he, he probably knows Steven, I, I would imagine, a little bit of some sorts, too. So, yeah, I get that. Uh, no, there's no no blame game to point to here. It just happens uh, as far as that right. goes. And that's, you know, I think this is something that we can kind of, um, you know, expect that this is all new for all of us. And I'm sure everyone has had a moment where you start to go into a store and you're like, oh crap, I forgot my mask and you have to run back. <laughs> um, you know, it's just one of those things where we're still adjusting to this new normal. And um, even though we're months in at this point, it's still very much new to us and, and new, especially to the NFL players who were on the field really for only four weeks. You know, that was their fourth game of the season. And so, yeah, of course, it's easy to kind of forget that right. you have to keep your distance and you have to do these things, especially after you've just got done lining up against these guys, um, you know, and, and kind of going about the actual game very normally. Of course, it's just kind of easy to forget that, those distances still need to be in place and whatnot. So sure. um, I think it's it's expected to happen. Um, the Chiefs have been really, really adamant about keeping their distance and their, their protocols and things like that. But keep in mind also um, Patrick's backup quarterback, the, the practice squad quarterback, Jordan Tiamu, also tested positive. So it's not just Stephon Gilmore that he's had contact with. It's also people in his own team, in his own room, um, in his meetings and things like that that – that have tested positive as well. So um, it's definitely a very strange situation to keep an eye on. But I think, you know, if anyone thought we would go into the season without these issues, they were, they were very naive in my mm -hmm. opinion, this was bound to happen. Um, I'm just honestly surprised that we got so far into the season 
before we started seeing it happen. Right. It was not a matter of if, but when with these guys. Of uh, Definitely, when definitely a when. Yeah, for sure. Um, Braylon, we'll circle back to the Chiefs in a moment, but I, I, we do want to get to know right. you a bit since it's your first time on the show. Tell us about your background. You've been in KC, what, about a year now? Yeah, so I got here about a year ago, which phenomenal timing, right? Um, <laughs> just showed up, got a Super Bowl. Um, before <laughs> before I got here, though, um, which made it even sweeter, I was um, in Western New York covering the Buffalo Bills, who didn't even make playoffs the year before I got here. So it went from no playoffs whatsoever to Super Bowl champs. So very much a, a different um, different scale there. Which, by Zero. the way, shout out to the Bills; they are doing some phenomenal things yes. this year. And I'm very, very excited for that Thursday night football matchup to see them um, go against the Chiefs. But, yeah, I am originally from Philadelphia, um, kind of have moved around the coast a little bit, and now I'm in the Midwest for a year. And so far, so far, so good. Can't complain when uh, you get to cover a Super Bowl in your first couple of months, right? Absolutely. Uh, you went from zero <laughs> to 100 real quick. As, uh, as <laughs> Now, uh, we were doing our research, and uh, – and I guess that you were the mascot at Temple. Is that true? What what, what went into being a mascot? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the old the old story is um, when I was in high school, my junior year of high school, my field hockey coach was like, "You should be the mascot." And I always like kind of wanted to be one, <laughs> but uh, she basically like bet me to be the mascot one day. And um, I got on the field and I had a ton of fun, just like out there, just clowning around, having a good old time. And someone was actually in the stands that worked for a double A baseball team that was in my hometown. And they were basically like, hey, you want to do this for us in the summertime? Like, we'll start you at $12 an hour. And huh. dude, like $12 an hour as a kid Absolutely. with no bills to pay. That was pretty sweet for me. That was much better than like the minimum wage 725 job. Sure. Like, absolutely sign me up and no one so, knows it's you either right i didn't care if they did or not because like it was pretty rad so <laughs> um i started doing that and it kind of just evolved into this snowballing effect um i also did uh, a mascot for an echl hockey team in my hometown so i was doing multiple mascots at the same time huh. um and then i started realizing that this was something i could get a scholarship out of and um temple basically gave me half scholarship to um to be hooter the owl so i did all <laughs> you know all men's basketball games um the premier uh football games for the fall because you know you get like those random like mac schools and things no offense to the mac we <laughs> played in the mac but also like i kind of didn't want to be there for kent state like i sure. wanted to be there for Penn state right and notre dame so um you know, I did I did a ton of stuff. I went to, you know, NCAA tournaments and bowl games and got to travel the country. And then um, I had an opportunity to actually pursue this professionally. Um, and I decided probably not the best. Like I should probably use my degree that Temple helped and mascotting helped pay for. But yes. I really wanted to uh, to pursue broadcast journalism. But yeah, coolest thing ever. Um, even got to film an ESPN commercial with Stuart Scott. Okay. Um, the greatest person ever, and yes. he's even nicer than you would imagine. Uh, was even nicer than you would imagine. So yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. Um, sometimes I wish I could do it again, but I know that I'm just I'm not in that shape anymore because it's like 30 pounds of baggage on your body as you're trying to like run around and do everything else. 
And I don't know if I could. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that anymore. Those those things are so hot and sweaty. I can't imagine on those hot days what that would be like. I don't envy that oh, yeah. at all, Brutlin. Oh yeah. Um, I have passed out in suits before. Ugh. Um, yeah. It Notre Dame was like the worst then because that thing was like a hundred and ten degree heat index. Um, I was dying. The leprechaun was dying. The leprechaun didn't even have like any. It's just a dude in a suit right. running around but like he was he was sweaty and he's like i can't even imagine like wh what's going on with you um but yeah overall wouldn't change it for the world best best experience ever and you know if you're listening to this thinking about going to school and you want to be involved in athletics but you're not necessarily d1 caliber sure mascot's the way to go you're treated like a student athlete you get scholarship it's great <laughs> maybe maybe I missed my calling to be a mascot or something. That yeah. sounds like a nice way to pay for the education. Uh, and, like, half scholarship, people, that's a lot. Yeah, a ton of people that I know have translated this professionally. Um, somebody that uh, went to school with me, graduated with me, just happened to go to Rutgers instead of Temple, but they're you know like right across right. from each other in, in border. Um, he's gritty. Be so, gritty. Like, um, most of your Philadelphia mascots, I know personally, and like when I still go home, we like go out for drinks and stuff, and it's just like all of the Philadelphia mascots and a retired <laughs> former collegiate mascot. The fraternity of mascots is a thing. Yeah, I love it's it. Like Swoop, it's like Swoop from the Eagles, gritty, all like all of us. We just all get together. And we have like a little mascot <laughs> reunion, but no one knows that it's all the mascots, which is even funnier. So yeah, great. That's amazing. Great, experience yeah so, so let me ask you then do you have an appreciation for mascots are there ones that you like more than others are you looking at like me personally i think casey wolf is awful uh it makes no sense to have a wolf at chiefs games i look at ku they do the big j and baby j thing that's pretty cool i i, I can be down for that um uh, but oh, there's there's some of them like i look at uh dad at ou at norman uh, Boomer and Sumer, Sooner just creep me out. I can't even look at those big old things. Uh, I mean, is there some you like more than others, or who who are the mascots you're a fan of? Then, so in defense of Casey Wolf, love Casey Wolf. Also, apparently, I looked this up when I got here because I I absolutely focus on mascots. Sometimes I always want to know, you know, when there's a lull in the game or something, I always look to see what they're doing. I'm the first person to notice, oh, Casey Wolf had an outfit change. Like, I, I'm just that person in the press box that's like, oh, look at that. Look at, look, look at him go. Sure. Um, the original, like, super fan section of the Chiefs was called the Wolf Pack. Okay. Hence Casey Wolf. Okay. So it's a tribute to the, the days that have long gone at sure. this point. Um, yeah, I love Big J and Baby J. I got my picture with them when I was <laughs> up at Lawrence. I, <laughs> I went to Allen Fieldhouse, by the way, as a side note, for one game and one game only last year. Can you guess which one I got? Sunflower <laughs> uh, Smackdown. <laughs> oh, very fitting. Yes. This will be such a, like, calm assignment, yeah. right? Like, go up. Tuesday night in game. January, right. Yeah. No big deal. It's right in between like the AFC championship and the Super Bowl. Like this is so this is so normal. <laughs> National news. It's like the Chiefs are headed to the Super Bowl. Nothing else could happen in K State and KU were like, hold our beers. Right. We're gonna we're gonna upstage this thing. So um yeah, love Big J, Baby J. I have to be really, really honest. 
I hate Willy Wildcat. <laughs> and uh, no offense to K-State people, please don't hate my guts. It just really creeps me out. The dog has a cat head and a human body. Also, it's inherently sexist because no women can do that because it's very clearly like a jacked dude. I didn't there. think about that, but yeah, that so makes sense. You're automatically eliminating like someone like me from coming in and having fun with that as well. You 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 are essentially pigeonholing yourself to someone, oh. and especially if you want to make sure that there's consistency, because mo most schools have multiple people under there. Sure. So it also eliminates people of color, black and brown people from, from being involved because if you want uniformity, oh. it always has to be a white person. Right. It always has to be the same person with the same skin tone. Sure. Um, which that kind of sucks as well. Also, it's just scary to look at. I don't, I just don't inherently like it, but also it's kind of in my mind problematic and like not, able to afford opportunities to other people right. because of the structure of the costume. If they would change it to an all wildcat, sure. Totally fine. Get you get, you know, a nice young lady um some shoulder pads yeah. under there. I had like this like suit, like the sure. shoulder suit that was almost like football pads but soft. Um and you like zipped it up and it kind of gave you a little bit more bulk. Um, I know it's so weird, but yeah, I, I don't like, I don't like that. Um, that's regional. And okay. then, um, any mascot that's like human face, but not like a fake human face, like, um, the Duke blue devil, okay. the Purdue Boilermaker. Yes. Oh, oh, oh that's, that's you. creepy. I'm sorry. Pistol, yeah, Pistol Pete. Pete Ooh. is atrocious. I hate, wow. I hate that's Pistol a hot Pete. take. Creeps me out. I know because a lot of people like him, but I don't like mascots with fake human faces. Um, and oh my god, the Providence Friar and the Colgate Raider. I know those are like kind of um, obscure takes here sure. in the Midwest because they're very much like lacrosse and hockey central. Yeah. But take a look. The Colgate Raider has like this gray skin and scarlet red eyes, and um, the Providence Friar just looks. He's just horrifying. So those two are just top of list. Hate. Do, can't stand. <laughs> that's funny. That's that's great. Yeah. I like the, uh, even though it's not a mascot head, I like the West Virginia Mountaineer dude. That, oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. Another one, kind of a regional tie of some sorts, D2 school down in Pittsburgh, Kansas, Pitt State, the Gorillas, they have Gus the Gorilla. Um, I've not seen it. You, you ought to look this up. Like he, uh, okay. the as the legend goes, that back in the day, and this is actually of all people, according to Mike Leach, um, okay. <laughs> that at uh, at halftime he would throw banana peels uh, out as like a performance of some sort. So would throw banana peels to a song. Uh, it's incredible. So all right, I'm gonna. That's that's my Google assignment for today. Th there we go. <laughs> I like that. And you said you played field hockey too. I did in in uh, high school, nice. but um, I got recruited to some D two D three. But I, I really wanted to go to Temple. Um, I wanted to go to Philly school, so sure. Um, it just wasn't in the cards to me to play there, and I ended up getting arguably a much better, sweeter deal that also included a lot of networking. So it all nice. ended up working out. Oh, that's great! That's great. Well, we're yeah. happy for you. Glad to see you're in KC doing so well, and Thank that uh, the. The mascot path could uh, help <laughs> you just a little bit to uh, get here nonetheless. But uh, 
Breland, uh, looking at the the Chiefs, uh, where this team is at, 4-0, they're the first team in NFL history to start off four consecutive seasons with a 4-0 record. We haven't really seen them show a whole lot to this point yet. It, it feels like this team is holding something back. Is that kind of the vibe you're getting from this team so far through these first four weeks? Um, Yes and no. Uh, I think... You know, last last week in particular was very uh, well. I'm talking the Patriots game, so I guess sure. it was just a couple of days ago. I shouldn't say week. Let's say let's call it week four. Yes, um, <laughs> rather. But I, I felt as though um, that was a little bit shocking because we're so used to, and I feel like we just take it for granted here in Kansas City of seeing that just high powered offense and just weapons just flying everywhere. But that really wasn't the case. Um, Patrick Mahomes uncharacteristically under 300 yards that game, but the beauty of it is he didn't have to do it because defense took care of it. And I don't think, you know, if you would look back at some other teams or honestly, even last year around this time, I don't think the chiefs win that game with the performance that the offense had, um, because the defense just wasn't at the level that they are right now. And I, I, I'm very, very excited, even though. You know, that first half kind of dragged and um, we didn't, like I said, see those stereotypical uh, moves from Mahomes and company. I liked what I saw because it gave me confidence of like, okay, well, the offense doesn't always have to be firing on all cylinders. Sometimes they can just very much rely on this defense and the defense can absolutely get this thing done. Um, So even though, yeah, I agree, we have not seen fully what they're capable of. I like what I'm seeing because um, I think it will translate well when we have to see everybody firing on all cylinders. So I, I've been thoroughly impressed so far. Yeah, I have too. And uh, just the guys that have been out, to me, the, the thing I look at in particular, Breland, look at that secondary, for example. They've been just mm-hmm. eaten alive. I mean, yeah. I, I think they might be throwing uh, Casey Wolf out there to play cornerback uh, at some point here pretty soon, based on the way things have gone at that position. But yet, they're still not giving up a whole lot. The The defensive line is getting enough of a pass rush to really uh, help out that, that secondary, it seems. Is that kind of what you're seeing, too? Yeah, and um, with the exception, obviously, of last game, I think that secondary just really came alive yeah. um, with the Patriots. But, you know, they are going to get some help. This was the last game Bashad Breland is suspended for, so he will be back in the lineup for Week 5 against the Raiders, obviously, with the Bills as well in the mix on Thursday. So they are going to get some help and some reinforcements. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I am just I am thoroughly impressed with their ability to do what they're doing with what they had in that lineup. And I think Breland and his veteran presence is only going to help them. Um, so I am very, very excited to see what they look like moving forward with him in that lineup. Um, and, you know, hopefully with everyone else staying as healthy as possible, obviously Legereus Sneed out with that collarbone injury, but um, as long as everyone else stays healthy, I feel pretty optimistic about it. Well, and getting Juan Thornhill back. Um, oh, yes. That, That's massive. That was huge. I mean, this guy, uh, I know that he wasn't part of that Super Bowl run last year, but he had an interception the other night. Um, you got him and and Tyron together. I, I think there's big things in store for Juan Thornhill. He, he could might. I wouldn't rule out a, a Pro Bowl caliber season uh, for as oh, talented as he is. 
And especially, you know, I think it, it's even more impressive when you think about he tore his ACL 10 months ago. Yeah. And is performing at such a high level. I am so excited to see him back. I felt terrible. Um, I was at the game when that happened, and I just – I felt so – bad for him, especially knowing that he was going to miss out on the Super Bowl fund. But I think, and and judging from what he has said in interviews and, and just kind of what he's putting out on social media, that experience only motivated him even more to really come out and, and be firing on all cylinders this year. So I'm very, very excited to see what he brings to the table. I think he's going to have a phenomenal season um, coming into 2020 because he's so motivated. In fact, he, he missed out on the greatest event even though, you know, he was there for the lead up and, and tried his best to, to work towards it. He obviously fell very, very short on that. So it'll be an interesting season to see uh, what he does as well. No doubt. We're joined by Brentman Moore here on the Joe Support this week as we're talking Chiefs football offensively, starting with Patrick Mahomes. You know, it seems like that everybody has had a tough 2020 one way or the other here, except for about Patrick Mahomes, from the Super Bowl Literally. MVP <laughs> to getting engaged, now a kid on the way. Uh, you know, one week he's at American Century, another he's on the cover of GQ. Um, it would be just his luck, Breland, to uh, give you know S- Stephon Gilmore a hug and then end up not having COVID. I mean, based on the way things have gone, I mean, and his season is also. I, I know that we said that we haven't seen the full you know Chiefs essentially, you know, their offense at their peak. But even then, from what we have seen, Patrick Mahomes is is still doing his part, and then some. He's still off to a good start to this year. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I think. Um, I think the closest we have seen to offense, you know, having a full game, even though they weren't doing that, those explosive things, was obviously that Ravens game. Um, but, yeah, I, I am excited to see what he does. I think, you know, as long as everybody stays healthy, and that's the key, right? That's the thing that you just cannot plan for is, is injury and, of course, COVID. Um, as long as everyone stays healthy, everyone stays fine, um, we should start to see them really kind of get into the groove. And especially that week two game against the chargers was very, very uncharacteristic. And they, they flat out admitted that they were shook. Um, yeah. The fact that there was no crowd noise whatsoever, they were ready for it. They thought they were mentally prepared, but when you go in there and, you know, Andy Reid said you could hear a penny drop from anywhere in that stadium. And Patrick described it as practicing in an empty locker room. And yeah, it absolutely threw them off. Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator, um, said they they really struggled with using their inside voices and um, really just trying to adjust to that because you know even at Arrowhead they still have fans. So I think the the more that they adjust to this new normal of just kind of having nobody in certain venues, I think we'll be able to see see a lot more from them. Um, I'm, I'm excited for sure. I nope. absolutely think that they have the ability, and especially after this first you know, quarter of the season, I absolutely think they have the ability to make a return run. The run it back tour, in my opinion, is going to be successful. So we'll see. There's no reason why to think it, it won't be at this point, uh, yeah. based on the way uh, things are going so far here in 2020. The rookie running back Clyde Edwards, he lair. What do you think of the way he started off the uh, season here for the Chiefs? Seems like he's been a nice dual threat doing exactly what they asked him of, of being on the ground and the receiving game. What say you? He's exciting, isn't he? Oh, yes. So, yeah. Um, I was – I'm not going to lie. I was one of those that was a little hesitant about a uh, running back in the first round. Um, 
I thought they were going to take a corner. Um, Jeff Gladney was actually my pick. He went to TCU. Um, and he was just, he was drafted like maybe three above. So I'm not really sure what they would have done if he would have still been on the board. That was my main concern going in was corner. Um, but I didn't necessarily have a problem. Once I saw the pick, I was like, oh, okay, like best available for sure. And he has absolutely proven that he was the best available uh, when the Chiefs hit because, man, that kid can do some really, really special things. And he's only four games in. So imagine what he'll be capable of once he actually, you know, starts adjusting and starts feeling comfortable because you can't possibly feel comfortable in the National Football League, fully comfortable in the National Football League with just four games under your belt. That's impossible. Um, but, you know, he he's watching tape and um, both – Clyde and Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator, um, have said you know that they are really working on on analyzing his tape and how he can be a little bit better and how he can imp- improve. So I can't wait to see. He's already surpassing expectations and doing amazing things. Once he hits those improvements and starts doing those little things that they're asking him to do, man, he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, and I think that's the one thing that Kansas city was really, really missing, uh, mm-hmm. last year and, you know, no, no offense to D will, but, um, it was more of a rotational running back situation rather than a full RB one. Um, and I think we're starting to see the development of RB one here and I can't wait to see what he can bring to the table once he's comfortable. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in the offensive line, we had questions about going into 2020 about replacing LDT and that group, but it seems like as long as you still have Mitchell Schwartz there and some of those guys, uh, I know it was a little shaky at times in that stretch, but yeah. I think the O-line's going to be okay. Uh, I mean, you give Patrick Mahomes just three, four seconds, he'll, he'll make do with it one way or the other. Yeah, and I think we saw, um, you know, which was expected. I think the first two games were a little rough for the O-line, um, but that's just – in my opinion, just kind of shuffling around and, and um, trying to regain that chemistry. Because when you lose a big piece like LDT, you know, it's tough to adjust and, and kind of figure things out. But, um, you know, hopefully we are starting to see that chemistry build again. Um, hopefully, by the way, Andrew Wiley is, is feeling okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with his appendicitis scare. So um, as long as that no one else, has appendix issues or anything else, um, I think that chemistry will continue to grow and they're also going to to be cohesive, similar to what we saw last year. There's no replacing LDT, but um, you know, they're they're doing the best they can to kind of gel together again. Absolutely. Braylon Moore of KCTV five Judd I guess here at the Jones Report this week. Braylon, what do you make of Sunday's matchup against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders? Well, it's gonna be a massive brain issue for me because I, I multiple times I have already caught myself saying like, Oh yeah, Oakland. Oh no, just, huh. just kidding. Um, so this is the first time we are seeing this uh, new era of Raiders, but it's still the same rivalry, right? It's always going to be a game that no matter what their record is, what anything um, else is on the side, you know, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, always going to be an important game because those are divisional games. doesn't matter who anybody else is doing or, or what's going on. And it, it, it is always a game that you have to get yourself up for. So um, I think it's going to be great. I'm a little concerned 
about the fact that they have three games in what, 10 days, 11 yes, days, 11 days. Um, yeah. So that, that's a little concerning to me, especially going into Buffalo. They have a great, great defense. Um, and those guys can really be gritty. So it, I, I'm a little concerned at the fact that they are playing three very competitive teams. There's no cupcake game in the NFL, but these teams are also very Patriots, Raiders, Bills. I mean, they're they're going to be tough matchups for them. So I think that's my main concern going into this stretch here is how do you manage injuries? How are you making sure everyone is staying healthy um, and ready to go and you're not overexerting yourself? So I think that'll be key. But yeah, divisional game at Arrowhead, how can you go wrong? We, we hear it every week from Andy Reid. We look forward to playing blank football <laughs> team. We know they're well coached. Uh, we've got to have a good week of practice. Uh, yeah. Time's yours. I mean, every week it's the same thing, but Andy's kind of actually got a point, actually. Um, yeah. And, and this week, you know, the Raiders have, have played some decent football this year. I mean, they gave the Bills a bit of a challenge last week. We know they beat the Saints, so – um, very interested to see how that goes. And and you mentioned that Bills game next week, and I know you're very familiar with that Bills team. Breland, yes. that looks like right now, based on the way things went against the Ravens, of the Chiefs really just having their way, probably should have won by more, this game against the Bills here looks like a tougher matchup than that Ravens day game did. Uh, and not to mention that Josh Allen, he throws the football down the field so well we don't see that at all from Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, this is more of a traditional pocket quarterback they're facing that could give them more problems, maybe, maybe than Lamar uh, did. Is the Chiefs had a really good game plan for Lamar a couple weeks ago? Um, I don't necessarily agree with that because Josh Allen can run, yeah. and I think that a, that's something that a lot of people miss. That Josh Allen is that's very, very mobile. Yes. Um, and so when you when you say, oh yeah, he's he's got a big arm, he does a lot more than that, and it's often very very overlooked, especially when it comes to national media. The Bills have always, and I maintained this before we even knew any sort of anything. When I first saw the schedule and the way that the schedule was played out, I said. That's a trap game right there mm -hmm. waiting to happen because it's a short week. I didn't know how short it was going to be at that time because I was just seeing the schedule. I said, it's a short week. Um, Buffalo was always overlooked and always kind of the redheaded stepchild because they've had just bad luck. And, and um, I, I constantly refer to it as the constant um, pressing the restart button over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, up there, the different systems, different everything. Finally, they are starting to have – a cohesive coaching staff and a cohesive uh, general manager in front office. And everything is really kind of clicking up there for the first time. And they're a formidable team. And everyone kind of laughed at me like trap game. Okay. Like really, you really think the chiefs can't handle the bills. And I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm just saying this might be something you want to keep an eye out for. And the more that the season has gone by, the more that I think that I was correct. Um, oh yeah. The Bills, I mean, the Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, that secondary is insane. And, then of course, you have Trey White, who, in my opinion, is one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League, who routinely, once again, gets passed over. Um, he got his first Pro Bowl last year. I, th I thought he deserved to be in the Pro Bowl way sooner than that. But just because of the success of the team as a whole, he gets passed up. And that's what happens to a lot of those guys. They don't get the recognition that they deserve, but they are a tough, gritty, hard-nosed
football team that loves to win on their home turf. And the fact that the Chiefs have to go there already after playing a division a division rival, it's going to be a tough matchup. I think they can do it, obviously, but it's not going to be some sort of cakewalk that it was a couple of years ago. That's sure. absolutely certain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the Diggs trade has already paid off for the Bills. And now, I mean, you would know as well as anybody, Breland, it seems like, and this is from an outside perspective on my vantage point, that the Bills, you can almost guarantee it feels like for years were the 12 o'clock CBS game um, before, you know, the, the sun's not setting for a while. This is a big deal for them to be on Thursday night football against the premier team in the NFL, the Reading Super Bowl champions. I would be shocked if the Chiefs don't get their best out of the Bills in that matchup next week. This is uh, this is the biggest regular season game I think they've had in years. Oh, absolutely. There is no question about it that this is a massive, massive occasion for Buffalo. They never get, you know, we always were done, you know, 1 o'clock start, well, noon here in Kansas sure. City, but for us when we covered um, games in Western New York, 1 o'clock, You'll be done by five. You know, it was just a routine type of thing. Now we're starting to see they're getting primetime matchups, which is indicative of a, of a successful team. I would not be surprised, and I, I have maintained this, that if we don't see the Ravens in the AFC Championship, we're going to see Buffalo, yeah. in my opinion. And it's surely starting to seem like that's the case. Um, I am so excited to see what these two teams – it's like – I obviously want the Chiefs to win, but there's also a part of me that's still very much, uh, I mean, Buffalo's a great organization and I still have friends um, both on the team and, you know, covering them and in their front office and stuff. So I kind of like want to pull on a, I hope both teams have fun type of shirt. (laughs) (laughs) A Rob Lowe NFL hat. Right. I genuinely like want the best for that organization and they deserve it, especially all those people who have sat through years and years and years of not having a playoff win. Right. Um, but I, I, man, I am so excited for that. But I absolutely think it's going to be, it, it's going to be a grinder. And I, I'm, like I said, I am very concerned with the fact that the Chiefs are playing that many games in a row, and then going into a team like Buffalo, where you know that defense is going to chew you up. So everybody's got to be on their best game. Nobody, <laughs> nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, oh man, and sure. it's a shame Bills Mafia isn't able to be in. Oh yeah. Um, you know, because they are just. I was. No, I was really to, wanting to go up there and, and break a table. Badly. I actually, yeah, I actually had a flight booked for me to go as a fan. Okay. Um, to kind of see those two fan bases because I never attended a Chiefs game as a fan or a Bills game as a fan. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, obviously, they are not allowing fans into the building. But no offense to Chiefs Kingdom. Bills Mafia is just like a next, a next level. Right. Of insanity, you know, um, that I've seen so many things in that parking lot that I cannot say on this podcast, but there it, it is like Chiefs Kingdom is great. They rally. They do. They are wonderful. It's no knock on them, but it's just like a, a level of hysteria. Sure. Insanity. I'm not really sure what to call it, but it is something that you don't find very, very all of the places. above. And I yes. respect that. So much. And I also love the fact that they have rode for that team. There are kids in that parking lot who are almost able to drink, if not already able to drink, that have never seen the Bills win a playoff game. And yet they still show up. 
So like, I, hats off, Bills Mafia. I think always the, love them. I think the joke was about their playoff streak that uh, the playoff streak eventually was old enough to buy cigarettes. Um, you know that that was the ongoing gag for a bit there. Um, but yeah. yeah, happy to see the Bills be competitive and be on this stage. I think it's great for the National Football League for them to. Uh, be in this position and should be a lot of fun and still got to get over the Patriots though. Uh, Patriots haven't gone away just yet uh, as far as that goes. But I I think we're going to see a change in the regime um, yeah. this year. We'll see. It's no again no knock on Cam Newton, but um, you know I, that's also part of the reason why I'm so excited for Buffalo is that finally they can get the bu- the big bully off the playground right, right. For, for so long that division has been so bad that the Patriots could really just kind of sit back and let everybody else do the dirty work and then have them just automatically go to playoffs. No problem. Then the real work began. Now we are starting to see a competitiveness out of Buffalo, Miami, you know, New York, it may be a couple of years, but definitely out of Buffalo. So um, now it's more of a, an even matchup there in that division. So I fully expect Buffalo to win the AFC East. But it'll be interesting to see finally them able to to get over that hump of, of beating the Patriots. By the way, um, the most winningest quarterback as of last year, this obviously is going to probably change okay. um, with Josh Allen's success, but the most winningest quarterback at New Era Field is Tom Brady. I didn't think about that, but it makes a lot of sense. He only plays there once a year. Right. And yet has more wins in his career than any Buffalo Bills quarterback <laughs> coming into this year. Wow. So, and that's that. something. Enough is enough. Let's go, Josh Allen. <laughs> like, get Brady out of there. We're Everybody in this, I mean, I'm tired of talking about him. I'm sure everybody who's not a Patriots fan is tired of talking about him. Like, let's let's start <laughs> let's start changing this regime here. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Uh Breland, anything else before we let you go that you want to touch on uh before we get out of here today? Any any final thoughts? Um, you know, I I, I don't necessarily think so. I think this is something that we're going to have to again wait and see this week. Um there was a Raiders defensive tackle placed on the COVID reserve list. Okay. Um obviously with the development that Stefan Gilmore has tested positive. We really are going to have to pay attention to see what happens. Also keep in mind, you know, the Raiders are now affected by COVID. The bills are also affected by COVID, but on the flip side, they're supposed to play Tennessee this week. Is Tennessee going to play? Yeah, We're not sure. So that could be, you know, a week and a half of rest for Buffalo. They could technically get like an extra little bye week out of this. While the chiefs are playing three games in 11 days, there's a lot of moving pieces here. So it's really going to be wild and and interesting to see how this all shakes out. So just kind of keep the eye out, keep watching Twitter. Let's see uh, how this, how this whole thing shakes out. Hopefully this podcast is not going to be completely blown out of the water. by tomorrow's revelations hopefully no no crazy crazy news come out that this is now irrelevant after (laughs) after we film it nonetheless uh it's it's been nice chatting with you Breland. uh glad that we can bring you on the show and and you're all over the place you got the locker room show of course you're on social media where can people see all the the great stuff you and the uh, kctv5 folks are doing yeah so you can obviously tune in on channel five if you're in the kansas city metro area 
Um, we are on constantly. And of course, we have our locker room show, as you mentioned, over on KSMO at seven o'clock on weekdays. And then it is live on Sunday nights um, after our 10 o'clock newscast over on KCTV. And then, of course, you can find me on Twitter, Breland, KCTV5. And then I'm on Instagram, just Breland Moore. Um, it is spelled like Bashad Breland, but just one E. Okay. Not two. I always joke. I'm like, the bigger the paycheck, the more ease you have in your name. Mm. Um, <laughs> I am sense. not making Bashad Breland money, so I only have the one E. That's an easy way to remember it. <laughs> but um, I am so happy that you invited me on, yeah, and I absolutely. look forward to hopefully uh, coming on back. And then, uh, of course, we'll definitely have you back. <laughs> uh, I think I forgot one more plug, too. You got the uh, the game day show on Sundays, too? Yes. Uh, how could I forget? We've got Price Chopper game day. So the game, especially the Raiders game, um, is on our air noon. But if you want, you can tune in to our Price Chopper game day show that starts at 10 o'clock. It's me. Uh, Neil Jones is going to be out at Arrowhead Stadium. And then we have a brand new analyst, and I'm super excited to have him here. Desmond Moses is a former Chiefs linebacker, played under Andy Reid for a few seasons. Um, he has some great insights and really knows, number one, Andy and the players in that locker room, but also knows what he's talking about. And this is his first kind of crack at TV. So I am super excited to have him there. He's been doing a phenomenal job. So uh, kind of tune in, catch base with us, and we'll get you all set and ready to go for the game, which is on our air at noon. So you might as well just tune on in right. a couple hours earlier, right? Oh, yeah. Just Ten, 10 o'clock, perfect slot leading right into yeah. the NFL today and then the game itself. You're not going to miss – uh, Sunday morning, if that's your thing, or face the nation, you know, it's all right there at one place. Right. Yeah. Everything's still there. Yes. So just tune on in and, uh, and, and get cracking here. That's fantastic. Breland, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And I will have you back out again. All right. Awesome. Take care. Big thanks to Braylon Moore for joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. We're joined by Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group for another edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group Picks Against the Spread, our pigskin pick them. Each and every week we pick five NFL games and five college football games and break them down and uh, give our picks. And a little update on the standings going into today. Thomas, you are... Atop the mountain right now, uh, with your picks, you are at twenty-two, fifteen, and three. I'm behind you at twenty, seventeen, and three. Bo, Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo, he's uh, sitting not too far back at nineteen, eighteen, and three. And then our buddy T.J. Reeves, who's with us from time to time on the uh, pick segment, he's off this week, but we do have his picks. He's uh, way back there in fifteen at fifteen, twenty-two, and three. He's supposed to be the shark among us too, but. You know what? Hey, uh, the rest of us are doing just fine uh, as far as that goes where things are at right now. Uh, Coach Bo, before we get our pick started, tell us uh, as we enter the month of October, what's going on these days at O'Connor Advisory Group? Coming out of Life Insurance Awareness Month, and now October is its kind of a transition month. Um, October is to transition because in November, a lot of our older clients start to look at Medicare supplements. They have a lot of questions. It's a great time to start reviewing everything for the coming year. So where we're going to be after these next couple of months is let's take a look at your 2021 plans for your finances. And that can be someone who's older looking at retirement income, or it can be a younger person who says, hey, I want to get the jump on getting started in 2021. We want to be your partner in that. So give us a call. Uh, reach out to 785-856-0720 
You can check us out on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. It's uh, O apostrophe C-O-N-N-O-R for O'Connor. And our new website will be up in the next few days. We're working on it. We're getting there. We're getting very close. The the only O'Connor in the country that doesn't like Notre Dame, uh, Brian O'Connor. Check him out. Brian O'Connor Advisor. Advisor, Check him out on Facebook. Tell him we sent you, and you'll certainly be glad you did. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, look at the slate for this week. Uh, On the college end of things, really good. Top 10 matchup out of the ACC between Clemson and Miami. Clemson ranked number one. Miami ranked number seven. Clemson a 14-point favorite. Number three, Georgia taking on number 14, Tennessee. The Dogs a 12-point favorite at home, coming off a nice win against Georgia last week. In the ACC, number 19, Virginia Tech takes on number three, North Carolina. The Tar Heels on the road, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Number four, Florida taking on number 21, Texas A&M. The Gators, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Meanwhile, it's OU Texas, the Red River shootout. Not the Red River rivalry or the showdown, whatever the the – fools want to call it. It's the Red River shootout as far as I'm concerned. We're not going to be politically correct around here. OU's a one and a half point favorite in that game. Meanwhile, the National Football League, the best game of the week is on Thursday night football as the Bucks take out the Bears this evening. The Bucks are a five and a half point favorite. The Chargers take on the Saints. The Saints are a seven and a half point favorite. That game could be moved to Indianapolis depending on this hurricane situation that's in New Orleans right now. The Chiefs take on the Raiders. Uh, The Chiefs are a home favorite at 13. Colts and Browns, both teams are at 3-1. The Colts are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. And the Eagles take on the Steelers. The Steelers a seven-point favorite at home against their cross-state rivals. So let's go ahead and get started here. I introduced Bo first, and so, Thomas, I'm going to actually start with you on picks this time. Clemson and Miami, the uh, Tigers a 14-point favorite. How are you feeling about the uh, this Clemson squad going up against Miami and what is realistically the first big test of the season here? You know, I am. this is one of the hardest games to pick, and I actually just flip-flopped it um, before we announced these picks. I you know, this is the toughest game for me, I think, because I think it could go either way. I think Miami could hang really close, and this will be a, you know, a, a, a game for the ages, essentially, at least this season. Or I think Clemson could come out and show how dominant they are. Um, just for sake of swapping it up on how I usually do this, uh, because I initially had Clemson, but I wish it was at 13 and a half because I could see Clemson outright winning at 14. I could see this as a push. Um, so for that sake, I will go ahead and just take Miami. Um, I think that they can hang close in this game. I think the U is back. I think they're back. Not back enough to win, but back enough to not lose by more than 14. <laughs> Bo, who are you going with in this one? I know you like the U a lot. Do you think uh, they could keep it within 14? Okay, so Thomas is spot on. Uh, if Miami's back, this is a game where they can announce it. Um, having said that, Miami could be coming off the big win against Fraud State University, um, <laughs> Florida State, which is they're just awful. Uh, so I'm going to take Clemson. I was going back and forth in this too. 
I just think that Clemson, this is the game, that one game that Clemson can make a statement and say, hey, here's who we are to solidify their spot in the college football playoff because they're not going to have a lot of competition in the ACC. So I think it's important to Clemson. But I don't disagree with Thomas that I think that if Miami is back, I think they could be, this is the game we need to show it, and their defense needs to to stop Trevor Lawrence. But I'm going to think that Trevor Lawrence can get them through this. I'm going to take Clemson minus the 14. I just don't think that Miami's quite ready yet. All right. Um, Listening to both of you, there was a lot of good things said, but I – like what you guys brought up about Clemson inserting their will. Um, you know, last year we saw with this Clemson team, they got to the playoff, but they weren't really that impressive throughout the regular season playing an easy schedule in the ACC. I think this is going to be a show-up win for them. They're going to have a, a great showing. I like Clemson to win this one by three touchdowns and cover that 14-point spread. Miami's much improved, but they're not quite ready for prime time just yet. Number 14, Tennessee taking on number three, Georgia. Georgia, 12-point favorite at home. We'll start with Bo this time. Bo, Georgia had a nice showing last week against Auburn. Can they go uh, two in a row? Uh, this, this is a big line, though, at 12. Okay, UGA had two big games in a row. So last week, they just dismantled Auburn. The week before, it was like Helter Skelter. For the first three quarters, they couldn't tackle anybody. Uh, they played awful. Um, the fourth quarter, they blew it. They, they, they just ran away with it. Now, I went back and I went to Tennessee. Tennessee has won eight in a row. They're tied for the longest win streak in the nation right now. I don't know if you know that. I did not know uh, They've won eight in a row. Here's their last three losses. Yeah, last three losses. They've only lost three games um, out of their last 12. Actually, it's plus 13, I'm sorry. Those three losses are to Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. They lost the game to Georgia by almost 30. In those three losses, their average loss is by 27. So I think UGA is a better team. I think Georgia is better than Tennessee. I think Tennessee's a good team, but I think Georgia is a top five team. I think there are four or five teams at the top. Uh, Clemson is obviously up there. I think Georgia, Florida, and Alabama are all there. Um, I think Georgia is going to win, and I think they're going to cover the 12 points. Okay. So there's a, a strong case made there for the Georgia Bulldogs. Thomas, who you got? I mean, Bo's laying down the facts there. I can't really add any much more than what he did uh, to the case of the Georgia Bulldogs. They look really good. They look really good. And Tennessee, I, Tennessee is kind of like Texas, right? Uh, and <laughs> a lot of people are like, okay, well, this is the year Tennessee actually makes some noise. Uh, this is the year Tennessee does something. Uh, they kind of just poke and prod Tennessee like, okay, come on. Is this going to be the year? It's like me betting on on roulette, you know, five in a row on the same on the same red or black, and, and hoping it's going to change. Uh, nothing's changing. Um, it, I think Georgia's too good, and it's not even that. You know, Tennessee, I don't think is ranked appropriately. They never are, um, at least at the beginning of the season. And I think this is where they fall back uh, the, as they normally do. I I think this is more about Georgia's that good. And Tennessee's not that good, uh, but I, I have no problem, no qualms about taking Georgia by 12. All right, I'm with you there. We'll go three for three 
on Georgia in uh, in this one. I think Jeremy Pruitt's doing a good job at Tennessee. Don't get me wrong, but they're still not even close to the talent level of this Georgia team. I really liked what I saw from Georgia last week. I'll go with the dogs as well. North Carolina taking on Virginia Tech. UNC ranked 8th in the country. Virginia Tech ranked 19th. UNC a five-and-a-half point favorite. Virginia Tech last week, they were without 21 players and two coaches due to quarantine with COVID. They get some of those guys back. They still had a pretty decent win against Duke last week, a seven-point win at that. North Carolina hasn't really impressed in these first two weeks of the season. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate in Sam Powell. Guys, I'm looking at this game, and I'm thinking that North Carolina, this is their show-up game. We mentioned it with Clemson, looking for that show-up game, insert your will. That's what I'm looking at with Mac Brown's squad here. I think they have that show-up game here. I like UNC to take care of business by 10 points and cover that spread on the road against uh, Virginia Tech there. Bo, who you got between UNC and Virginia Tech? Okay, this was the hard one for me. This Out of the five games, college games, this was the tough one for me. Uh, I went back and looked. Last year, if you remember, this was a heck of a game. This went to six overtimes last year. Uh, North Carolina won the game. North Carolina, five and a half. I'm like, eh. uh, I know players are coming back Virginia Tech, from Virginia Tech. You've got to figure that's going to be some motivation, a couple of coaches back. I'm taking Virginia Tech plus the five and a half. I just think it's a close game. I don't necessarily think Virginia Tech can win the game. They can, but I'm not necessarily thinking they will. But I see this being a field goal type of game. Okay. I, I very well could see that too. Uh, Tom, are you buying the Sam Howell hype? They're at uh, North Carolina as their favorite at five and a half. Jones, you know, we both like Mac Brown. Uh, he should have never left Texas. Glad he did. Uh, I'm not buying the hype on Hal. I'm just not. Uh, I haven't seen I haven't, you know, there's some other candidates out there that I, I don't think he will win the Heisman, at least not this year. I think he's a sophomore. Um, so I don't think that's his year, and I don't think this is North Carolina's game. Uh, I mean, they, they beat – a Syracuse team, yes, they beat them 31-6, but it took them three quarters to do so. Uh, the next game against Charlotte, they would have won, but that got canceled due to COVID. The next game was last week against Boston College team that KU absolutely shellacked last year. They barely pulled that off 26-22. Bo mentioned that this game, Virginia Tech's getting players back, and then it went to six overtimes last year. Uh Yes, UNC could win this game. I will go ahead and take the Hokies here, though. Um, five and a half points. Uh, I mean, I'll take that. It could be a field goal game either way. Um, I, I got to go with Virginia Tech here. All right, so you're going with uh, Virginia Tech in this game. Uh, number four, Florida taking on number 21, Texas A&M. Florida, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Bo, what are you thinking about this matchup uh, between the uh, Gators and Aggies there in the SEC uh, down in a college station with Florida favored by a six-and-a-half? Okay, so um, I think Texas A&M is an absolute fraud. Uh, I mentioned last week I didn't think they would cover against Alabama. They're still a fraud, uh, and they're playing Florida, who I think is an incredible team. I think Florida is in the, is one of the best five teams in the country. I think the best five are Bama, Florida, Georgia, um, um, Clemson, and then you could put Ohio State in there when they get back. But uh, I think Florida's really good, and I think they're. I mean, if you see that, that Florida Georgia game is on the horizon. I want to watch that game. This one's going to be a bloodbath, and I think Florida is just going to whack 
Texas A&M. Um, I think that Florida might be the best team in the East. Uh, like I said, can't wait to see them play Georgia. And uh, A&M's an absolute and complete fraud of a football team, as we talked about a little bit last week about. So give me Florida, and um, we'll go from there. All right, I like that. Texas A&M, that uh, fake ID is what they got going on there <laughs> in uh, College Station. Tom, uh I really like this Florida team. I think Kyle Trask is uh, arguably the best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, that team is just loaded with what Dan Mullins put together. I would be surprised if Texas A&M kept this in six, at six and a half. What say you? Yeah, so I'd be shocked, I think. And, I, you know, I'm just reading through Reddit comments, as I do after a college football weekend, uh, A&M fans are not happy with Kellen Mond. Uh, not at all. He is a fraud. Uh, you know, had you know, there was so much hope and promise for Kellen Mond. Uh, and maybe I'm a little bit bitter after the Texas Bowl last year that I drove all the way to Houston for and watched OSU lose. Uh, but even then, uh, I think Florida probably wins this by at, at least, I'd put the line, if I was a real betting man, uh, I'd put it at 10. I, I think I have no problems picking Florida by two touchdowns here. Yeah, I like Florida here. Um, I think this is your uh, put the college debt, put uh, you know the house, all that stuff on this bet here. I like Florida to take care of business just fine. OU in Texas, uh, OU a one-and-a-half point favorite. This game is going to be played in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, but there will not be the traditional state fair of Texas like we're – typically accustomed to seeing so it'll be a totally different atmosphere for OU Texas down there at the Cotton Bowl the Sooners a one and a half point favorite Tom OU in Texas for OU in Texas standards they stink I mean there's just no ifs ands or buts about it I mean these teams just stink OU's lost back-to-back games two games where they were the more talented team and should have won Texas on their end you lose to TCU last week uh, at home you barely get by Texas Tech in a game you were down by two scores. Um, you know, neither one of these teams are going to be making the playoff by any means, but just to stay alive in the hunt for the Big 12 championship, it's a must-win game for both of these teams here. I guess I'll take OU. I don't see them losing three in a row, but I don't say that very confidently here. I say I'm picking OU over Texas here, Tom. Not anything to do with OU, more so I just think Texas is worse than OU is right now. What say you? I mean, I think Texas has to be disciplined. I will go ahead and take Texas. Uh, this is a pretty much a toss-up game. It's hard for me to say OU will lose three straight. However, I do think that it will cut somewhat come down to the quarterbacks. Obviously, you got Ellinger, who I don't think has played terrible. I don't think he's played terrible. And then for OU, uh, I mean – the receiver, someone's got to step up, whether it be Rambo or somebody else. Someone usually always steps up, and Rambo has kind of been absent, to be honest. Um, I'll, I feel like OU fans thought Rambo was the next in line to step up and, and be that guy, but he's not. Um, Pease Jr. dropped – we watched it together against Iowa State, dropped however many passes. Uh, and then on for Texas, you have Brennan Eagles, who I, I think – it comes down to the Ellinger Eagles connection. If they can make that work, I think Texas can win this game. And I think if Texas stays somewhat disciplined against that TCU team, that game last week, Texas had like 
eight penalties in the first quarter. Cannot do that. They cannot do that. I could see this game going either way. I will go ahead and take Texas. Um, it, this is the uh, this is the toilet bowl almost this week. This is the worst OU Texas game in quite some time, um, and that's saying something considering how bad some of those Texas teams were over the last decade or so since uh, Mac Brown left town. Uh, Bo, what are you thinking about uh, this matchup here between uh, OU and Texas? OU favored at one and a half. Okay, so Texas can't stop a nosebleed on defense. OU can't let can't win a game against a, even against sorry teams. So this is what I'm doing. I'm flipping a coin. And I'm taking OU <laughs> really on a coin flip. Um, I think Sam Ellinger is actually a really good quarterback. I do like him, but Texas defense sucks. They can't <laughs> tackle. I mean, I would be the best tackler on Texas's defense right now. And on OU's team, one of my best friends is an OU fan. Every time I watch a game with him, he talks about, man, that guy's a great recruit and all this. He's the next big thing. And yet none of them can catch a football and none of them can play defense. <laughs> So, you know what, that's just the representative of what how shitty the Big 12 conference is in football. And as an as the SEC guy here, you know what, this is just – screw both these teams. They're all, they're all losers. This is going to be one of those 55-50 games, and it's going to be – it's not fun to watch that. Get a defense. Get a defensive coordinator. Do something with yourself. <laughs> oh, laying some fire there. Uh, I think the same the same things you said about Texas, though. You could say about OU. They can't tackle either. Um, they got some big problems right now. But uh, you'll go with the Sooners there. So two for OU, one for Texas on that end. Let's move on to the National Football League. The Bucks taking on the Bears. The Bucks are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. This game's on Thursday night football. The Bears have been better than expected. They have turned to Nick Foles as their starting quarterback uh, for the foreseeable future. It is a home game for Chicago. Tom, we'll start with you this time. Uh, how are you feeling about the Bears uh, going up against uh, TJ's Bucks here in uh, this one? Do you think the Bears can keep it within five-and-a-half? Last week, the uh, Chargers were able to uh, keep it close enough to get that push there on the road against uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, that was a pretty impressive game by the Chargers, and they, you know, could have pulled that out. And, you know, we have that bet going with, you know, I don't think the Bucks will make the playoffs, or, you know, I think they'll finish less than 9-7. and seven. You think they'll finish better than 11-5. and five. Uh, This is a game that's going to have to go your way, Jones. I, I will go ahead and take the Bucks. Uh, I don't think they. I don't think they lose to the Bears here. I'll be shocked. I think eventually this good luck uh, of sorts for the Bears has to run out. That is not a good team. They're frauds. Um, I like the Bucks to take care of business at five and a half. I think they win this game by a touchdown, maybe ten points. Bo, what are you thinking here about the uh, Bucks and the Bears? The Bears almost had me on the bandwagon last week. I picked them, and they blew it against the Colts. I thought, man, Pagano, Nick Foles, this is going to be great. They're going to get this thing done. And they laid a freaking egg. Give me Tampa on a short week. Give me Tom Brady on a short week. As long as he's not trying to throw the ball 25, 30 yards down the field, they'll be fine. Uh, in watching them in their comeback, I watched a little bit of that game this past week. Um, I like that he's kind of staying in what he can do, that Brady that is. Uh, that's how they came back in that game. It wasn't big plays. It was chunks. And um, that, to me, shows that Tampa, they're, they're, 
they're changing that playbook up for him. And I think that's a good sign for Tampa's offense. I'll take Tampa. Tampa did lose O.J. Howard for the season, but I do think this team's only going to get better from this point going forward and go on to win that division. Sorry, Bo. Uh, with that being said, let's bring up Bo's Saints. Uh, the Saints are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Chargers, and uh, this game could be played in Indianapolis, depending on this hurricane situation. Uh, New Orleans a seven-and-a-half-point favorite with the line as it is right now. Bo? What do you think about this matchup? Your Saints taking on the uh, Chargers here and uh, this weird circumstance of this hurricane uh, being a factor here of possibly moving the game and such. Okay, so I just the reason I was a little late to recording today is that I was actually on the phone with my aunt and uncle in Louisiana. Uh, they live right outside of New Orleans, and they were talking about the hurricane and everything going on. Um, everything they're hearing is the Saints are leaving town in the morning, and they're going to Indy. So um, that's – not all out there yet, but it's pretty good sense that, yeah, game's probably getting moved to Indy. Uh, we'll probably know that tomorrow or actually Thursday when they record this comes out. Um, so what I suspect is that game's in Indy. Now, I'm of two minds about this. Drew Brees still can't throw the ball across my backyard. I watched every play of that game. They gave up 14 points in three minutes at the start of that game this past week. And then scored 35 in a row where Drew Brees looked like Drew Brees. And then they forgot who Drew Brees was with about five minutes to go in the third quarter. And they played a different kind of game for the last quarter. Um, I'm worried as a Saints fan about the Chargers pass rush. If they keep Drew Brees upright, they can cover seven and a half. I'm not sure who the hell the Chargers are right now. I just I don't have a real good feel for them. I'm going to go as a total homer pick, total homer pick. The Saints minus seven and a half. This hurts me to say it this way. My brain is telling me to take the Chargers and the points, but I can't go against my Houdats. I'm going to take the Saints. Okay. I like what I've seen from Justin Herbert there with the Chargers, um, but we saw one week he plays a near-perfect game with one interception, and then the next week, Kind of slipped a little bit. Last week, had another great game. Just one interception, that was the difference of the ball game. I think this is the game that he slips up a little bit. I like that Saints defense to take care of business. I'm picking this game, Bo, the Saints direction, more so about I like their matchup versus Herbert more so than I do the Saints matchup versus the Chargers defense against Bosa and that those guys. Uh, I'll go with the Saints at set seven and a half to uh, cover this game. Tom, who are you going with here? You know, I like the Saints, and I do think they'll win this game. But from what the Chargers showed me from the game against the Chiefs to the game against the Bucks, I mean, they covered against the Chiefs, I believe. Um, and then yes. they pushed against the Bucks. Mm -hmm. If this game was at six and a half, I would be tanking the Saints. I think Saints win by seven. I really do think that half point matters, uh, and I think it'll come into play this week. And so I will take the Chargers. Like I said, I do think the Saints still win, um, but I, I, I can't be thrown off that Herbert's got to be in the Rookie of the Year convo for his play so far. I know Burrow's there, but I like Herbert so far. I don't think he wins, but I think he does cover. All right. Um, 
I, I like what I've seen from the Chargers. I think they're a good, bad team, if that makes any sense. Um, but I like the Saints ultimately to cover that spot there. Chiefs taking on the Raiders. The Chiefs are a 13-point favorite against uh, Las Vegas here. Thomas and I were joking about this last week that uh, – we're still adapting to calling them the Las Vegas Raiders. This game at home for the Chiefs. The Chiefs last week had a nice cover there against the Patriots. Uh, no matter what line you took, if you got them at 11 or if you got them at 8 one way or the other, that uh, pick six by Tyrod Matthews saved your bacon at the end of the game last week with the uh, Chiefs pulling off that cover against uh, New England on Monday night. Uh, this is the second game in an 11-day stretch for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Raiders have looked decent to start the year, considering what the expectations were of this team. Ultimately, I, I can't pick against the Chiefs at home. Um, you know that line at thirteen. I know that the Chiefs have uh, they've had you know a couple games where they uh, I believe that they've had one game where they haven't covered. They've had three games where they've covered. They're three and one against the spread, four and over overall. Um, out of their last, I believe it's. 13 games the Chiefs have not covered twice. Uh, they have a pretty good record against the spread here. I know that number's still high. I'll, I'll still take it with the Chiefs at 13. Uh, Tom, who are you going with here between the uh, Chiefs and the Raiders? Everything in my mind should say Raiders here, uh, but I will take the Chiefs. Uh, here's the thing. If Cam Newton plays that game on Monday night, uh, the Patriots win that game. I know you got you know in Kansas City. I know how you guys feel about your Savior Mahomes, uh, but that Kansas City defense—they did make plays when it mattered. The Frank Clark sack um, to stop the field goal right before halftime. Uh, Edelman pretty much gifted Tyron Matthew a pick six. Uh, there were a few other plays that that defined that win for Kansas City, uh, and I thought that they didn't play up to par. Um, I will, like I said, I will go ahead and pick the Chiefs, but I expect a big day from Josh Jacobs, James Wyatt, and Burkhead. Uh, the Patriots are pretty much forced to run the ball most of the time because Hoyer did, was not very good, and then Stidham was not any better. Um, so I think Josh Jacobs can have a big day. Like I said, everything's telling me not to pick the Chiefs here, but I will pick the Chiefs. I, they think they win, but it's – this is tough for me. All right. Um, the Chiefs, by the way, have the number two ranked scoring defense in the National Football League heading into this week. Um, so much for just a couple of years ago when we were talking about how awful the Chiefs defense was. Bo, what are you thinking here? Chiefs, 13-point favorite against Vegas. A couple of things. So I totally agree with Thomas on Cam Newton plays that game. The, the, the Patriots win. And I thought the same thing watching the game. Um, I also think that the Patriots gifted the charge, uh, did give to the Chiefs at least two field goals, or just uh, one the bad play player made in the, in the second quarter. Um, That's uh, the fumble where he turned the ball over. They were clearly in field goal range. He ended up, it's a sack. I'm sorry, a sack that he took that took him out of field goal range. And then right at the half, you never see Bill Belichick make stupid decisions, and he did by using a timeout. After third down, instead of wait, after second down, instead of wait till third down to do it, uh, that cost him six points. Um, a lot of that you can put back on your quarterback, you know, inexperienced quarterback. But you've got to play better if you're going to play a team with the Chiefs. You got to be able to, you, that they stopped the the Patriots showed you can stop the Chiefs defense or offense. You can slow them down. 
having said that, the Raiders aren't going to slow down that offense. Um, the Chiefs are going to just outscore the Raiders. The Raiders really aren't in a position where they could score more than 21, 24 points. They've scored tw- exactly 20 in three games so far. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to lay them points. Everything tells me the Raiders are the pick, but I don't think the Raiders can score enough points. I expect a huge game. And the guy I think we're going to see a huge game from, Tyreek Hill has not had a huge game yet. And I'm not sure there's a better athlete in the NFL than him. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think this is going to be a blowout. Okay. Uh, Derek Carr struggles at Arrowhead traditionally here. So, uh, oh, maybe may I can add, I think Derek Carr is extremely terrible. <laughs> um, I think the Raiders are looking for a way to get rid of him. They would have done anything. They would have given Derek Carr and the next five ones the trade for Joe Burrow. Um, he's awful, and it, it's, it's saying something. He's the worst of the two Carr kids, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you say that, Bo, and uh, Karma is going to send uh, Derek Carr to uh, New Orleans. Uh, so uh, <laughs> be careful. You put careful. that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> Moving on. The Colts taking on the Browns. The Colts are a two-and-a-half-point favor. The Colts have bounced back nicely since uh, that week one loss to the Jags and played some really good football here as of late. The Browns have bounced back nicely since their week one loss to Baltimore and had an outstanding showing offensively against the uh, Cowboys last week in Dallas. Indy's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, we'll start with you this time. What are you thinking here about the Colts and the Browns? Okay, so are the Browns really back, or are the Cowboys that bad? Ooh, I don't know which one it is. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I'm taking the Browns plus two and a half. Um, I still think that the Colts, I mean, I'm going to keep saying this every week, that the Colts better be ahead because you can't count Philip Rivers to get you back in the game late. So <laughs> you better be ahead. Um, I like what I've seen for Baker Mayfield uh, since what they've what they've done is they've reinvented the wheel in Cleveland this year where now they're a run first team to open up the passing game and with the running backs that they have with Chubb I don't know if Chubb's gonna be able to give it a go this week he got hurt late but Kareem Hunt is still fantastic um that's what they need to do. They need to be a run-first team. They have the best backfield in the league. Uh, run things up, take a little bit of pressure off Baker Mayfield, and that's the recipe for success. I like what that Browns offense can do when they are run-first, and that appears to be the direction that they're going. Uh, Indianapolis, nice run the last few weeks, but I'm not buying anything Phillip Rivers is selling. Uh, Phillip Rivers will do Phillip Rivers things and only disappoint one way or the other. Um, I will go with the Browns. I, in fact, I even say I'm picking the Browns at, as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. The Colts could still win this game, I think, by one or two. But I, I like the Browns here to uh, cover a two-and-a-half. Tom, who are you going with in this one with uh, the Browns as a two-and-a-half-point underdog? I like what the Colts have done, and, and I was shocked what the Browns did against Dallas. I wish both those teams could have lost that game because I obviously am not a Baker fan. Um <laughs> If he plays for any other college, I'm probably a Baker fan, uh, but I'm not. I'm absolutely not. And it, the Browns, to me, are a lot like, and they've mentioned, they've, they've used this term uh, for this team in college, and I thought this is a great, this is what I think happens. I think the Browns, Texas Tech. 
I think, like, when they say Texas Tech Tech, I think the Browns brown this game. And uh, I will go ahead and take the Colts. I, I do like what the Browns have going. Um, I don't think that they can keep it up. I, I don't think I, – I think this is the Browns-Browns game. Uh, that's where I'm going with that. Might be wrong, but uh, I'm the leader for the reason. So <laughs> I like <laughs> I the confidence. The Colts. Okay. So there you have it. Tom yeah, going with the Colts. Is a stick cord there? Yes. Uh, Bo and I going with hey, the Browns. Jones? Hey, Jones, real quick. Yes. Jones, did you just steal my Matt Ryan line for Phillip Rivers? Hey, I think that you could use the same idea uh, with Phillip Rivers. Hey, I've been saying that for years <laughs> about Matt Ryan. You can always count on Matt Ryan. Last game on the slate, the Eagles take it on the Steelers, a battle for Pennsylvania. The Steelers are a seven-and-a-half, or actually seven-point favorite there at home. Steelers have looked pretty good. They're coming off an unexpected bye week as they were supposed to play the Titans last week. Uh, Thomas, the Eagles have been a hot mess so far this year, but they did get their first win of the season last week on Sunday Night Football on the road against San Francisco. Can the Eagles go two straight? What do you think about this matchup? No, absolutely not. Um, the Steelers, <laughs> I think the Steelers should be happy that even though an unexpected bye week, they do have the Eagles this week. You know, they were probably not expecting to take that week off, and they got it. And uh, I was glad the Eagles beat the 49ers. I was ecstatic. Um, but I don't think their luck continues uh, against Pittsburgh. Okay, so you're going with uh, Pittsburgh here. Bo, who you got? Pittsburgh at seven-point favorite. Okay, so one, let's do the serious part first. The Steelers' defense might be the best defense in the NFL. Uh, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they're, they're just – they have a solid defense. They tackle. They're a good team. I like the, I like the Eagles. I mean, I'm sorry, I like the Steelers. Let me rephrase that. I like the Steelers. Uh, what I like about the Eagles – is nothing. I like <laughs> nothing about the Eagles. I don't like Carson Wentz. I don't like anything about their team. I think they're a dumpster fire. I think it's worse than watching watching the Eagles 49ers game last week was worse than watching the the um, presidential debate. It's just <laughs> two teams. One's just bad. That's the Eagles. The 49ers at least have the excuse of like nine injuries. But I I am not buying in not only in the Eagles, but nobody in that division. The NFC East is so bad, six wins might win that division. Um, they're all terrible. And uh, what's the line from uh, uh, Billy Madison is, uh, you've made us all dumber. You know, <laughs> thank you, and may God have mercy on your soul. Yes. That's what I think of when I see any team from the NFC East right now. <laughs> so uh, give me the Steelers and lay the points. Oh, Bo, I take it that you're not a fan of predatory birds. You're not a Falcons fan. You hate the Eagles. Uh, you, you, not a bird fan, it sounds well, like. You know, the Ravens are fine. The Ravens <laughs> are fine. I, you know, I got a deep-rooted hatred of all things Falcons. And the Eagles, I just think, are a fraud. I <laughs> think they've been a fraud. I think they, their, their Super Bowl win was a fraud. I think it was just them throwing some gimmick shit out there and getting lucky. Um, <laughs> I think that they're a dumpster fire. And the fact that with Carson Wentz is their quarterback, I don't understand how anybody saw that guy in college and thought, ooh, there's a franchise quarterback. He is the argument of the difference between a franchise quarterback and a starting quarterback. He's a starting quarterback, but not a good one. He definitely isn't a franchise quarterback. <laughs> I just don't like how they run at all. Maybe we see Jalen Hurts this week. 
Maybe. You know, uh, he's not great. And I don't think Jalen Hurts is, uh, is an NFL starting quarterback. I don't either. But right now, what do you get to lose? But I don't think you have anything to lose. I'd go ahead and play Jalen Hurts. I kind of like Jalen Hurts' athletic ability. And, I mean, what the hell? You, you, you might see something out of him. I'll say this. You draft him in the second round. I'll say this, looking at this matchup, guys, and, and uh, I hope folks don't take this the wrong way. I, I say this as nicely as possible. I think the Steelers just might break Carson Wentz. That Steelers defense is so physical and so <laughs> tough, and Carson Wentz uh, has been known to be injury-prone. That offensive line is so bad in Philly. Um, I don't know how Carson Wentz is going to get through this game, to be honest with you. Uh, I say that in all seriousness here. I think the Steelers win this game, and – the Eagles might be starting Jalen Hurts next week in all seriousness when uh, it's all said and done. So there you have it. That is our O'Connor Advisory Group pigskin pick em here on the Jones Report this week. Bo, uh, real quick before we let you go, how can uh, people reach out to you and find out what's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group? You can catch us on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. It's O'Connor is O-apostrophe C-O-N-N-O-R. Um, on Facebook, O'Connor Advisory Group. You can give me a call at 785-856-0720. And to all our brethren down in Oklahoma, if you're watching, I'm licensed down there. Would love to chat with you. We can help out anybody nationwide. We've got the license and it can help out anybody anywhere. Awesome stuff. Uh, and uh, best of luck to everybody on these picks out there. And uh, don't. Put your money on these picks. Instead, put it towards O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, that's the safer bet uh, as far as that goes. And uh, that's Brian O'Connor joining us here on the Jones Report this week. couple more things before we get out of here today on the Jones Report. Let's talk NBA Finals. We'll get to Tom Fullery coming up later on in the program. But uh, the Lakers with a win over the Miami Heat, 102-96 to on Wednesday night. This was a back-and-forth game, but ultimately – the Lakers got it done when they needed to. LeBron James finished with 28 points, 12 rebounds, and uh, Anthony Davis had 22 points and nine rebounds in the win. The Heat, you know, they're they're shorthanded right now. Uh, this team is uh, with uh, the guys that they're uh, missing at this point. You know, they're just glad to be there in a sense, uh, considering all things. Uh, you know, being a five seed and all this. Tom, I expect the Lakers to just go ahead and you know either finish things in in a game five or game six. Uh, I just don't see there much being a path for the Heat at this point, considering uh, that the Lakers are just a lot more healthier here at the end of this playoff run as opposed to Miami is. Yeah, and, and with that last game, there's been a lot of talk on both sides. Uh, I expect the Lakers to finish it in either five or six. Would be shocked this goes to game seven. Uh, I mean. I for the Heat, I mean they're glad to be there. Sure, I think the Heat will be back. Uh, really, just going to depend on what Giannis does. But obviously, that didn't seem to matter in the playoffs. So uh, it'll, it'll be, be very interesting to see what moves the Bucks make in the off season. But as far as the East, I, I think it's your obvious Heat, Celtics, Bucks again. But uh, the Heat feel like they have a a, a confident. Uh, almost not, I wouldn't call it arrogant. And if, you know, if it was arrogant, then it's earned, which is confidence. Um, I don't see a reason they couldn't be right there next year. Uh, I mean, I'm not writing them off yet, but it does feel like that game mattered. I mean, LeBron James texted his team before uh, game four and said must win. So 
there you have it. Right. Um, you know, he got their attention. And one of the things I said was that Anthony Davis really needed to come alive, that he needed to be the best player on this Lakers team. But you know what? LeBron, he, he looked like the LeBron of old. We've seen LeBron James just, you know, turn it on here, uh, you know, in this playoff run. And it hasn't mattered that Anthony Davis has been up and down. He's played well. I would think, Tom, that if the Heat are going to get back in this series, um, for any chance of them winning at this point, to pull off three straights, they're going to have to counter with an injury on the other end of the Lakers. We're going to have to see uh, whether it be, you know, a guy like Rondo or, you know, Davis or James or, you know, Caldwell, somebody. There's going to have to be a significant injury of some sorts for the Heat to get back in this series. If it's mano we mano, um, you know, I, I just don't see the Heat being able to win three straight uh, considering that talent gap. Eventually, I know that, you know, Spolstra has done a heck of a job with this team, but eventually talent is just too much to overcome good coaching. Um, that's the only way I see the Heat getting back in it at this point. Yeah, 3-1 deficit to LeBron and to this Lakers team who's, who's you know, is really good. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're really good. Uh, LeBron is still not falling off. Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen. There was a report I just saw on Twitter that says if LeBron wins, he's considering retirement. I call BS. Uh He's he's not falling off hard enough. I mean, he's probably a pretty prideful player, um, but if he's if he's not falling off yet, and they have a chance to run it back, I mean, there's just no way. <laughs> so why would you Lakers not? probably win? Lakers probably win. It hurts to say. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I would have liked to seen the Heat pull this off, but the Lakers uh, ultimately are going to be too much. And um, you know, as far as this championship. You know, if the Lakers pull it off here, you're talking about LeBron's fourth title, the Lakers' first title since 2010. And, you know, Tom, I've said from the beginning of this bubble and everything, um, I still I don't put any asterisk or anything on this. This is a title earned. You still went the whole gauntlet, uh, of all things considered. And it was tougher in a sense. You know, you're in a bubble. You're not seeing your family. You're wearing a mask and all that. I have, you know, nothing to say but good things about whoever wins this NBA championship. It's well-earned. It's well-deserved. But what I would say is, if we're talking legacy or how this team's remembered, you know, the the aura that was the bubble, people were excited about this at first, but the NBA, the attention, it's kind of lost its luster here. Once football season started, people couldn't give a damn about the NBA. I mean, these the ratings for the finals have just been terrible. Um, you know, down 60% from a year ago. Um, and the other thing about it, too, was when you look at the ratings of the NBA Finals, uh, with them being significantly down, they've only had one night where they went head-to-head with the NFL. And they did it against a terrible game. I believe it was that Broncos-Jets game. And that Broncos-Jets game had tripled the audience of the NBA Finals. I would say that moving forward, sure, the Lakers get the championship, LeBron gets that fourth ring, but I don't know how many people care at this point um, with the fact that no one was interested in the NBA Finals uh, going forward here. I mean, Jones, to be honest with you, I've only watched two of the games so far played, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, whether that just be something else going on or 
just simply not watching, not because I didn't want to see the Lakers win, but, uh, you know, it just doesn't, maybe it doesn't feel the same. The NBA is not used to competing with the NFL for the finals. Uh, you know, as far as the finals go, everyone's getting their final circle jerk in on the sports section because no one really cares about midsummer baseball. Um, and so, I mean, I, you know, if, if we're talking, we're talking about the NBA finals, uh, mixed with the NFL, mixed with the Stanley Cup. I'd hate to see what the Stanley Cup ratings were. Right. Um, and the NBA, you know, they, they went with this uh, this whole aura, you know, of going woke, you know, promoting the, you know, political movements of sorts. You know, they put Black Lives Matter on the court. They put the, the, uh, the slogans on the back of the jerseys. And I, I don't know how much that had an effect on ratings, um, you know, if, if people were turned off by that, th- there's no way to, s- to really know. But Adam Silver has said, we're done with that. That's not happening next season. We're not putting that on the court. We're not letting players do that in the back of the jerseys. We're over with it. Um, and so I would think that if things were going well, if the NBA was having good numbers here, then it's hard to imagine that they would just go away from that. Um, I, I think the NBA is having a self-realization of some sorts that what they're doing, what happened with the bubble, even though they've pulled it off, it necessarily overall, when you look at ratings and the way the popularity was, wasn't really much of a success in actuality uh, with all the money that they spent to pull off this bubble, Tom. I mean, maybe so. As far as the ratings go, it could come down to, you know, I am a bigger watcher of the NBA when there is fans. It it brings another atmosphere to the broadcast, I think. Um, you know, just at least for me, it, it brings something else to the broadcast when I watch it. It doesn't feel as hype. It doesn't feel like the NBA Finals, for one. They're not switching cities and going back and forth. Um, and, another, you know, for the bubble games uh, before the playoffs, it wasn't such a big deal. But when the NBA playoffs hit, it looks like the same court, what well, is, um, you know, there's they're all together. They're not flying back to and from. The storylines aren't as good. Uh, I mean, you could have almost guaranteed the Lakers a championship. I'm not taking away from their hard work, but Kobe dying. And, you know, just with that, I mean, what a perfect ending in air quotes, you could say. Kobe passes away, and then the Lakers win, you know, tomorrow night's game in the Mamba jerseys. Uh, I mean, that's that's written all over it. Um, NBA is always big on storylines the same way. And I'm not calling it fake, but the NBA relies so much on storylines. Um, I, in my, this is my opinion. They rely on storylines the same way the WWE relies on storylines. I really do believe it. And it's not taken from the talent off the court. It's really not. It's not taken away from the sheer athletic talent that's being displayed on TV, on the court. Uh, but, NBA plays up storylines more so than anybody else does uh, in in pro sports. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, LeBron, he's had a great career, and this will certainly, uh, you know, be a big achievement for him to get this fourth title. But I think that one thing that you can look at with this NBA Finals and a part of if we want to talk legacy and all that is – with the ratings being down and the direction the NBA has gone, LeBron has turned the NBA into a niche league. 
Um, you know, this has been a trend where ratings have not been good uh, for the NBA for quite some time. And now we're seeing historically low levels here. It's become a niche audience much to the same degree as the NHL has or even MLB has. And um, one of the things I think that was so great about Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and those guys <laughs> They were a national brand. They brought a national audience. They were much must-see TV every night. We can't say the same for LeBron James. And I think that you have to add that into the story of LeBron James's career is that, you know what, LeBron actually uh, hurt the popularity of the league, that he turned it into a niche audience. I don't think we can forget that when we mention LeBron James and his legacy going forward. Before we get out of here today, Tom, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Where are we going to, where are we going to go to this time? Jones, we're staying put. We are staying put. This article comes actually from the Oklahoman from Nolan Clay. Uh, this is uh, Wednesday. Um, OKC jailers face cruelty charge. Playing baby shark on loop is inhumane, prosecutors say. Before I get, the, before I get to this article, 110% freaking agree. Uh I've been exposed to Baby Shark uh, many a times. Not only Mom Runs Daycare, but other facets of my life. That song is uh, awful. Which, which we will not mention. Um, but Oklahoma City. That's a really good inside joke, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you know it. Other people know why I've heard that song so many times. We won't discuss that. That's that's in the past. Um, Oklahoma City, two former detention officers and their supervisors were charged Monday after an investigation found inmates at the Oklahoma County Jail were forced to listen to the popular children's song, Baby Shark, on loop at loud volumes for extended periods of time. Jones, this is the shit they do at, um, at you know, for like special ops in the military. Uh, actually, I have a friend going to this school, Sear School, our school one i can't think to be honest it's pretty much where they you have to essentially be a prisoner of war and escape somehow uh, it's like survive resist escape some something like that i pardon me for forgetting what it's called but it's essentially a torture school where you know you go and they do a bunch of things that could happen to you if you're potentially a prisoner of war um just to kind of prepare you for what might happen if you were to be captured uh this is up there uh, Baby Shark is the stupidest, bleep me here, stupidest fucking song on the earth. Uh, and Thank if you. I had kids, I, I would prohibit it immediately uh, because I can't, I cannot stand it. And if you haven't heard, there's, I guarantee you, whoever listens to this has heard that song one at least once. And Jones, it's not even new. This song is like early 2000s or even before. I didn't know that until I had to do some research on how bad it was. No Baby um, Shark least, and no Paw Patrol. No, absolutely not. And there's a lot of other songs and shows uh, that can die. Paw Patrol, Peppa Pig, both terrible. Um, what, there's another one, Jones. It's um, one of them dresses up. It's like a red character, a green character, and a blue character. I can't remember what it's called. Put on a VHS tape of like Double Dare 2000 or Slime Time Live or something instead. Right, you have way much better TV. And and article continues, at least four inmates were subjected to the inhumane discipline in an attorney visitation room of the jail last November and December, according to the charge. The inmates were forced to stand the entire time, handcuffed behind them, secured to a wall, the investigation found. Charged were Gregory Cornell Butler Jr., 21 of Edmond, 
Christian Charles Miles, 21 of Oklahoma City, and Christian Raymond Hendershot, 50 of Wellston. Jones, uh, the two 21-year-olds knew what they were doing. They know how bad this song is. Uh, and I guarantee the 50-year-old probably has maybe kids who have kids that know how bad the song was or is. Uh, the DA, David Prater, charged them with misdemeanor counts of cruelty to a prisoner and conspiracy. Uh, Jones, like I said, this is, uh, this is some stuff that actually, you know, happens. Uh, this is a torture tactic that they play an annoying song. Um, I've heard it from, uh, whether obviously in this case, Baby Shark, I've heard them use, uh, the Barney song, the I love you, you love me, um, playing at ridiculous levels. Um, this is not. This is not a first. I mean, this is a actual tactic to make people go crazy. Um, and I'm sure there are parents out there that agree that these charges are correct. That you cannot do that to somebody because Baby Shark is one of those songs that is honestly, to me, one of the worst songs of all time. It's terrible. It is terrible. And like I said, if I had kids, it would be banned in my house. Uh, pick a different song. Right. Not Baby Shark. Uh, this, uh, this is a situation, Tom, where the punishment certainly fits the crime here. Um, you got to go after these people for doing the, the baby, the uh, baby shark thing. Um, here's the other thing. This is, and this is maybe where I'm overthinking. Actually, I won't even say I'm overthinking because I'm confident in saying this. Why did anyone think it was a good idea to promote baby sharks? Sharks are deadly animals, deadly creatures. Why are we trying to indoctrinate our kids about sharks and then baby sharks? I mean, baby sharks will kill you, too. I mean, it's not like that just because they're smaller that they're friendly and going to be nice to each other here. Like, uh, what's the end game in all this? That, you know, you're going to take a kid to the ocean and they want to play with a baby shark and only get eaten alive here? I mean, like what? Come on. Right, get this, Jones. I just did a quick scan of Baby Shark. Here is a minute 45 version of Baby Shark. Um, and it's an ad for Baby Shark Official. 124 more views. This is the first one. Okay, the second one is the Baby Shark Dance, singing dance. Uh, 6.7 billion views. That's the second one. The third one, 1.7 million views. The Baby Shark featuring Finny the Shark plus more kids, uh, 337 million views. The one-hour loop of Baby Shark, which I would imagine this is what they played, 26 million views. Jones, there's a live one. The Go Baby Shark Drive a Police Car. What? One point, uh, 1,200 people watching it currently. Um, Baby Shark Kids Songs and Nursery Rhymes, 1.7 billion views. Will's on the bus, Baby Shark, live, 2,500 people watching. I go on and on, 1.5 billion views, 152 million views, 607 million views. Will's on the bus, Baby Shark version, 2 billion views. Halloween Sharks, one hour nonstop, that sounds like hell on earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1.8 million views. I mean, Peak Fog, I guess, is the is the people who do this. Uh, they have made so much money. There's a Baby Shark Trap Remix. Trap Remix. 88 million views. So the, the origin... It's, just, it's just stupid. The origin of Baby Shark comes from uh, South Korea. 
And uh, there was a South Korean newspaper in January 2018 that described the lyrics as sexist, which is really funny. Uh, I haven't really thought that much into it. And uh, this is so on brand, Tom. Can, can you guess the one country in the world where Baby Shark was number one on the kids' song charts? Oh, is it? Uh, so if it's not USA, it's probably Japan. It's the USA. Uh, no other country. Yeah. It was higher than six on the list <laughs> at its peak position. So very on brand for our country right now uh, that Baby Shark was number one at one point in time. Um, man, that is uh, that is something else. I, I think our country is Jones, always. get this. Go ahead. Get, get this real quick. Um, this says, as of January 4, 2020, uh, article just quick on, on Google. I don't know if it's correct, but I'm sure it's probably close. Korean family behind Baby Shark has made $125 million from the catchy tune. Ooh, that's nice. Um, our country has this. I think this, we ought to make our own. Our country has this interesting fascination with sharks. Jaws was one of the most popular movies of all time. Um you know, remember Katy Perry had that shark at halftime of her uh, Super Bowl performance, and then uh, Ole Miss once right. they figured out, once they thought that the rebel was racist, they decided to go to a shark mascot, which didn't make sense. There's something about us and sharks, from the youngest to the oldest, that we just love. Jaws is a great movie, though. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, yeah, Jaws is a great movie. It, it attributed to the shark. Um, the shark trauma that we know and love, uh, in America and just all over the world. Um, I will say, I think, do I think a lot of sharks get a bad, bad rap. They're not all bad. You have like more, more of a chance of driving down the interstate and dying in a car wreck than you do getting attacked by a shark. I think you have more of a chance of getting struck by lightning than you do in a shark attack, but that doesn't mean I'm swimming with them, not in a cage. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> that's just how that's gonna go. I don't think they uh, wanted I mean, you to swim with them. I don't I think you got invited. In a, I would get in a shark cage. <laughs> uh, yeah, you would. I would get in a shark cage. I think I'll pass. Yeah, and honestly, the, the the stupidness of it is, I would probably get in a cage, and I would probably take several several beers, uh, <laughs> for me to do it, or several cups full of liquor to get in there because I think I would be so scared even with a cage. Uh, but I guarantee you in my it, intoxicated mind is that if I would jump into a cage, it gets put under the ocean with sharks. I, probably the first thing seeing a great white would be, oh, shit, or it would be daddy's shark dude to guarantee it. Uh, it is it, it is uh, it is torture. It's torture. And I hope these people get jail time over this. And I, they should be forced to listen to it. Uh, at, at a, a ridiculous level, um, or they should be subjected to the same that they put these prisoners through. I don't care what crime you did, unless like mass murder, then you know go for it. Right. Um, but these these people probably didn't do. If they're in a county jail and not in a maximum security prison, they probably didn't do anything that bad. Sure. I'm sure they maybe deserve to be in jail, but. They don't deserve. You're in a county jail. First off, 
you don't deserve to be subjected to Baby Shark. I don't care. I, I'm with you. Uh, I agree. Uh, before we wrap up Tom Fullery, I got one more just a little nugget for you, Tom. Another Tom Fullery of sorts. Um, today is the 104th anniversary of the most lopsided game in college football history. Georgia Tech beat Cumberland I know it. Oh, 222 no. to nothing. Uh, Georgia Tech had 978 rushing yards and 32 rushing touchdowns. They did not throw a single pass. And Cumberland gave up, uh, had a negative 42 rushing yards, six interceptions, and 15 turnovers that day. Uh, I would have loved to be in, been a fly on the wall to see uh, that game happen, Tom. Could you imagine? No, I couldn't. And, uh, I mean, you think if you're the other team, you give up. Uh, if I'm the coach, I'm not letting my team get beat that bad. That's almost as bad. Putting your players and having them play in a game that they're getting beat by more than 100 uh, <laughs> is worse, I think. Take it's your ball close. and go it's home. freaking close. You, I mean, are you rather getting beat by 100 and having to still play in a game, or would you rather have to listen to Baby Shark for the remainder of time on the clock? That's close. That's that's a close call. On that note, we got to run. Big thanks to Breland Moore for joining us here at the Jones Report today. As always, subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Tyler Jones Media Group, Thomas underscore report. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Jones underscore reports, and uh, Insta Thomas is where you can find us there. And uh, next week, we're going to have a lot of fun here on the Jones Report as uh, we'll get you ready for the NASCAR weekend at Kansas Speedway uh, on top of our normal coverage of college football and the National Football League uh, with shows coming up on Monday and Thursday of next week. Big thanks to Breland Moore for stopping by making her debut, and uh, we look forward to having her on again in the very near future. And also want to thank you, the listener, as well for stopping by and uh, Brian O'Connor for joining us for our pick segment, as he does each and every week. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. So long.